Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. All right, away we go with another Sports Cage show. (laughs) We have lots to talk about. There's no doubt about it. Um, the pitchforks are out. People are mad. Fire everybody. Yank the quarterback. They're disgusted. They're mad. They're feeling like this is last year when the team was four and one, and everything circled the drain, and they ended with a six-win season. That's what a lot of people are. They've commented on socials. They've commented on our post-game show. Uh, this guy's above his head. The board of directors needs to go. Like it's a, it, Listen, on this show today, I'm going to bring a voice of reason to things, and I'm going to be positive. And uh, one thing I do that other media people don't do, you fans don't get to do, I get to travel with the team. I, I I heard this one, which was pretty laughable. Well, they went out and they partied so much, and they the coach let them run around town, and they, they were partying. Well, I stayed in the hotel with the guys. Now, mind you, I wasn't their chaperone, but they have to be home by a certain time. Uh, I didn't notice anybody the next day on the bus going to the air, going to the stadium, hungover or not focused or anything like that. Yes, the Riders went in early. They went in earlier than Toronto. Oh, Toronto was a business-like thing. They just showed up there. They just they were there to win. They're the defending champs. They they understand. Yeah, good for them. The Rough Riders. And people don't like when I say this. Some people don't like when I say this, especially other fan bases. It drives them nuts, but it's true. I didn't come up with this term. I don't know. Did Rod Peterson? Somebody came up with this term. I'm just using it, and it's true. This is Canada's team. It is Canada's team. So Canada's team had to go early to Halifax to bring the party. Canada's team had to rent out a a local bar there where they entertained four to eight anywhere between four to eight hundred people both nights. Canada's team went early so Brett Lawther and Frankie Hickson and these guys could go to a um Women's shelter. Canada's team brought in Wes Cates from our crew, the the former great rider running back, along with Kean Schaefer Baker, so that they could do a, a football camp, signing autographs. Yeah, there was some Argo representation there too the day before the game. I'm not going to say there wasn't, but. Canada's team went there to throw the party, okay? And the Rough Riders were part of that. They weren't partying, but they were part of the whole entertainment of it, okay? Because it's sports entertainment. And that gets lost in everything. I get it. It's about wins and losses. Don't make excuses and all this other stuff. I get it. But it's more than just a football game for the Rough Riders. It has to be or the league is dead, Okay, the league is dead. And people could say, well, the rider, the league, the league needs the riders to be competitive. They need the riders to play good football because the rider fans travel. Henceforth, 65% of the crowd, rough rider fans in Halifax, which is a bunch of provinces away. Okay. Um, so, so there you go. There's that. I'll get into the other stuff later. We got lots to talk about, but, um, yeah. 
Let's not overreact. That's what we're doing now. I will tell you this, though. They got to win this game on Sunday. It is an absolute must win. They have to win this game. More on that in the pick six. More on developing quarterbacks. More on all of that stuff. Uh, some other sporting news before we get to our Rider Rewind. The Minnesota Wild signed goalie Philippe Gustafson to a three-year $11.25 million contract. Probably heard by now Canada laid an egg at the... Uh, uh, FIFA World Women's Soccer Championship, the World Cup final there. They lost. They're out of the tourney, losing to Australia 4 to nothing. So they're done, and that's kind of a disappointment for the defending Olympic gold medal champion Team Canada squad. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, they made a trade. They picked up... Um, this right-handed throwing flamethrower by the name of uh, Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, Jordan Hicks. They gave up a couple of prospects. The trade deadline goes down tomorrow. The big team everybody's watching is my team, the Padres. Are they going to deal or are they going to buy or are they going to do a bit of both? Because they've been underwhelming, although they are coming back now. They're, they're closing the gap. I think they're five back of a wild-card spot. They've got... 56 games to go. They have won three straight, all against a very good Texas Rangers team, and they're playing the doormats, the Colorado Rockies tonight. So I think if they win tonight, I predict they'll be buyers. If they lose tonight, and they have stubbed their toe against lesser competition, then uh, who knows what's going to happen. But that's going to be an interesting team to watch in terms of the trade deadline. Uh, The Edmonton Elks have made a change at... uh, Offensive coordinator Jarius Jackson is in. Stephen McAdoo is out. McAdoo will go now to uh, be a defensive consultant on the other side of the ball, probably to give the um, perception that he has nothing to do with offense so that people can't say, it's still still McAdoo's offense. Uh, And uh, first thing Jarius Jackson says is he's going to have an open competition for the starting job that won't that won't involve Taylor Cornelius. Taylor Cornelius, uh, the big, tall, rocket-armed quarterback, uh, he got a bunch of guaranteed money in the offseason, and so now he's the third quarterback. Jared Dagey and Canadian Trey Ford will compete in practice for the starting job as they come off their bye week. So, yeah, the Edmonton Elks are an absolute tire fire. And because of the cap... They probably the coaching cap. They can't make a lot of moves, so they're paying. They're paying for his contract, so they might as well keep Stephen McAdoo around. Uh, taking your text at nine three six sixty two sixty two in town. Well, that's the text line. Pardon me. That's the number to call locally in town and out of town one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. Are you ready to burn it to the ground, or do you uh, want to give Mason Fine some more leash? We'll talk about that as the show progresses because I have some thoughts. There's no doubt about it. But first, we always take you back on our uh, audio adventure. We call it the uh, Rider Rewind. Angle and end over end kick to this near side. Leak back to receive. Inside is tended about the nine. Running up the left side. He's across the 25, 30, 35, 40. Look out, he's 
on the move and tackled at midfield. A touchdown saving tackle on this near side by Jaden Dalkey. For Korzak takes the snap and puts this nice kick in the air. Drifting to his left near the rider bench. Just inside his 40 is Leak. He's going to run to the right trying to get some blocking help. And he does. Turns the corner. Breaks a tackle. He's at the 50 midfield. Rider 50. Rider 40. Oh, rider 30. He's gone. Touchdown. Javon Leak. Let's been running hard and he's to the right hip of the quarterback. Kelly leaks out of the backfield. Here's a pass to him in the flats. He makes the catch. Slams on the brakes around A.J. Allen. Straight up the field. Breaking tackles. And Allen gets back to try to help out on the tackle with Derek Moncrief. Man, he's big and he's nimble. Here is Fine. Throwing down the middle. That one is picked off. Intercepted and bringing it back. Down the right side with blocking help and out of bounds. The two-yard line. Kelly's going to quickly throw to the right side. It's caught and running in for the touchdown. The easy touchdown. Deshaun for a set. Scores. Here's Mason Fine taking the shotgun snap. Quickly throwing to his right. That pass is caught over there by Sam Emelis. Breaking tackles. Spinning hard for a first down. Here is Fine. Steps up in the pocket. Slides to his right and he gets tumbled down on the quarterback sack. Here's Mason Fine. Argo's showing blitz and here they come. They smell blood. Here's Fine! And they take his blood. Winton McManus with his second quarterback sack of the game. Here's a handoff to Morrow. Morrow got hit in the backfield. He pushes oh, forward no. to the goal line. Oh, the no. ball came out and the Argos say oh, they've no. got it. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Chad Kelly going after more stands. He's gonna throw down the left side deep. And it's intercepted by go. Nick Marshall. His third interception of the season. And here's a play-action pass, and now Fine in trouble. And Mason Fine flips it off to Morrow over his head. Jamal Morrow to the right, runs over an Argos tackler, still on his feet. What an athletic play by Mason Fine. Here's Kelly under pressure. Kelly is going down in the cornerback sack. Here's a pass over the middle. Complete Bain on the run 40, 45, and weaving his way near midfield. Sean Bain Jr. Fine takes the shotgun snap, looks left all the way, slips a bit, now steps up, throws to the far side, it's caught over there, Sam Emelis inside the 20, Emelis tackled, shotgun snap, he's got time, back pedals, back pedals, throws, over the middle, and a diving catch, oh. up near the 50 yard line, and that's a backbreaker, Cam Phillips, fully extended, beautiful catch, takes the shotgun snap, under pressure, spins away to the left, Alakoli Fajardo, his old teammate, throws across his body, complete, here comes the rush by the Argos, there comes Coming at fine, he's hit as he throws, gets it out there wide, it's picked up, and this one's coming back and all the way for a touchdown. Deshaun Amos is gonna score the pick six. Jake Dolagale in there now. Riders backed up in their own territory. Here's a pass over to the right side. Complete to Tevin Jones. Might be our offensive game star. Still running, breaking tackles. Tevin Jones all the way outside. The 40 to the 41. Tevin Jones. Here's Dolagala. Takes the shotgun snap. Quickly sets and throws to the right. That is caught. Touchdown. There you go. Saskatchewan on a frozen rope on the corner route to Sean Bean Jr. is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And a pick and a six. It's going to be a touchdown for Chad. 
Captain Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one on the pick six, Alouette's DB, KB on Ento, scored the only touchdown of the game off an interception as the Montreal Alouettes held off two late Calgary Stampeder red zone possessions in a 25-18 win at Molson Stadium on Sunday night. Stamps quarterback Jake Mayer was picked off twice. Here's his coach, Dave Dickinson. I believe in Jake, and I know he believes in himself, and the guys believe in him, and... Uh... He didn't play poorly. He just made a throw or two he want back. He's trying to make plays, but he battled. And, uh, you know, I still think uh, if we just find a play or two for a touchdown, that momentum and that feeling you get, I think we could have kind of then started to play better. Stan Peters were held to six field goals. They dropped to two and five. Montreal improves to three and three. The Riders are home to Ottawa Sunday. They need to win and end this three-game slide. It's a must-win. They gotta stop the bleeding. Now I want to say tip of the cap to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Rider Nation for bringing the party to Touchdown Atlantic in Halifax. Heavy is the crown as Canada's team, but the organization wears it well, and I'm proud to say that I'm the voice of this team. Now I gotta say this: some Rider fans like. Like to say they want to develop a quarterback, but let's be honest, you just want to bitch about how this team doesn't develop QBs. Mason Fine played arguably the best defense in the CFL, although I'm liking what Jason Shiver's unit's doing, by the way. And he passed for 302 yards while getting his ass handed to him repeatedly. Fine's tough and smart and, contrary to what some people are saying, can spin the football. Now he had one bad interception, and on that pick six, he got cranked and that's why the ball kind of hung up there. The Riders gave up a punt return touchdown. They fumbled a touchdown in the end zone and had a touchdown dropped in the end zone. In fact, Mason Fine outplayed Chad Kelly. But fans and some media want the experiment ended. He's a young backup quarterback pressed into service doing just fine. He's down the pecking order on the list of deficiencies on this team. And I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback, but you don't know that he isn't. Not after four friggin' starts. That's too small of a sample size. And I might remind you, he didn't stink the joint out. I like Jake Dolagala. And he obviously is talented and otherworldly arm. But the knock on him is inconsistency and that he didn't process as quick as Mason. Well, apparently that processing skill has improved big time. And he looked great in his limited time in Toronto. But I'll caution you on two things. It's a lot different coming off the bench and Jake's strong suit isn't throwing on the move. And if you know football, you know you don't win by flip-flopping quarterbacks. This is a must-win Sunday for the Rough Riders, as I said, and also for Mason Fine. If they don't win, then I think you gotta give Jake Dolagala a chance. But please, just cool it with the developing a quarterback argument. A lot of you don't want to see it. You just want to complain that the team doesn't do it. We haven't developed our own quarterback since Darian Durant. Oh, really? The same Darian Durant you wanted to dump? And don't tell me a lot of you didn't, because I took the calls. I took every call after the game. Darian is only loved now that he's gone. It's ridiculous. All right, another one of the pick six. Let's get something else straight, because quite frankly, I'm getting tired of hearing about it. I do not draw a paycheck from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 
and they don't tell me what to say ever. Have they said, hey, I don't like how you kind of position that? Sure they have. In fact, we've butted heads on a couple of occasions. Luke Mullender and I call it like we see it. We call a pretty descriptive and fair game. Obviously, we lean more to the riders, but I like watching and getting excited for good CFL football. I don't care who's got the ball. Hey, and with that in mind, I got a big announcement coming soon as it relates to the stars of the three-down game, and you fans can be very much involved. Number four in the pick six, what the heck was Bo Levi Mitchell doing in at the end of that game in their win in Ottawa near the goal line? I swear, can't these coaches think on their feet? You're the head coach. It's literally a big part of your job to think situational football. Put Taylor Powell in the game to take that snap. Oh, well, he doesn't practice that. It's literally a snap and falling down. If he can't do that, then he isn't a professional quarterback find another one. The winless Edmonton Elks are on their bye week and head coach and GM and everything else, Chris Jones, said he would be reviewing everything from the staples in the office to the kicker on the field. And he has shuffled the chairs on the Titanic as he is taking the play calling duties away from his friend Stephen McAdoo and giving it to Jarius Jackson. Jackson, a former CFL quarterback, has been a play caller twice before as an assistant coach. I will say this about Chris Jones, in a very ugly business, this guy is loyal to his friends as he is keeping McAdoo around in an advisory role. Another one of the pick six. It's getting ugly in Indianapolis. Running back Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade from the Colts. He reported back pain during his pre-training camp physical that was deemed to be from an injury that was not sustained while playing for Indianapolis. Taylor said he never said that. Never said he had a back problem. Find a new source. But apparently the team is saying he reported it. The situation now has the team considering whether to place their workhorse running back on the non-football injury list, which could result in Indianapolis withholding his salary. Who would want to play running back right now in football? Forget it. The NFL should just go to flag football, honestly. The running backs, I've said this, they need their own union. All right, that's our pick six. Keep the text coming, 936-6262. We'll address some of those. Uh, Listen, I want to point something out here. I want to be very clear about this because I travel with these guys. I say stuff on this show and then I get on the plane with these guys, okay? I don't get to be on a keyboard saying this guy sucks and 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 fire this guy, or I don't get to work at another uh, media entity where I don't I'm not tied to them. They don't pay my check, but I gotta go on the plane with these people. Okay, okay. So I stand by what I say, and I I have I have said things that probably don't sit well with some people. So I'm gonna point this out. I like Jake Dolagala. You saw it, I saw it, the dude can throw the football all over the field, all right? But let this marinate for once, and hey, I'd be happy to see him get his shot, okay? I I just want the Riders to win. But you've got a coach and a GM on an expiring contract. They want to win. They want to win now. These coaches, these GMs, these personnel guys, I don't think you really understand. Some of you do, but not all of you. And I think the ones that are the loudest 
You deserve to, hey, you deserve to say what you want about your team to an extent because you pay money. I don't pay money to go to the games. I got to work the games. But listen, these football people look at gross amounts of film in terms of hours, gross amounts of hours of film, practice, in the room with the guys, breaking it down, finding this guy, moving this piece out, moving this piece in, okay? It's not like they're sitting there going to Halifax, eating lobster and not caring what they're putting out on the field, okay? So if they thought Jake Dolagala was the guy to lead us right now at this present time, why was he fourth on the depth chart before Trevor Harris got hurt? And then Trevor Harris got hurt, and he is second on the depth chart behind Mason Fine. Once again, let that marinate for a second. That's not a shot against Jake. Maybe, like I said, if they don't win this week, they may have to make some tough decisions and say, okay, we got to bring this guy in. But you don't win by playing yo-yo with quarterbacks. I can't believe... It's one thing for fans. I'm seeing some media people saying that too. And I was like, what am I reading? What am I looking at? You can't do you can't do that. You can't treat them like yo-yos. Okay? You can't. I know of another big-armed, strong, tall quarterback. He's just up the highway eight hours. He's now their third string quarterback. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying that Dolagala would be that. But what I'm saying is the coaches obviously have decided that Mason gives them the best chance to win right now. So let's get behind the guy instead of trying to send him on the bench. Like, give your heads a shake. And don't, you used to, you people used to complain about Darian Durant. Like I said. And, and now you love him. Oh, man, we need a guy like Doubles. Really? Because you didn't want him when he was here. Give your head a shake. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for your sports ticker. Canada lost to Australia at the FIFA World Women's Cup, so they are out of that soccer championship. Uh, The Toronto Blue Jays are at home to the Baltimore Orioles, who smacked around the uh, New York Yankees yesterday, 9-3, scoring seven runs in the first inning. First time that Camden Yards in Baltimore has hosted Sunday Night Baseball and ESPN, the marquee game of the week um, since 20. 18. Uh, Blue Jays, of course, uh, picked up Hicks, the uh, flame-throwing right-handed closer from the Cardinals yesterday uh, for a couple of prospects, so they're making a push for the playoffs. The trade deadline is tomorrow. And the Edmonton Elks have officially bumped Stephen McAdoo from the OC booth where fans were trying to get as close as they could to the booth and hurl insults at him after they lost 27-0 to the... um, about British Columbia Lions. Second time this year they've been shut out. Jarius Jackson takes over as the OC. McAdoo stays around as a defensive advisor. And uh, apparently uh, Taylor Cornelius, the big tall quarterback, is now the third stringer, the guy they gave 190000 guarantee to, the guy who Arash Madani picked as the MOP. <laughs> I'll have to bug him about that after 4 o'clock. He joins us on a Monday instead of Tuesday. And uh, uh, Jackson, the OC, says it's going to be a battle between Jared Daigie and Trey Ford in practice to see who is going to be the starting quarterback when they come back from their bye. That's your sports ticker. Each week, the sports cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week.
Time to recognize our Sports Cage Coach of the Week, and we are going to hear from him before the top of the hour. It is Stefan Anderson. He's the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator of the Regina Thunder. He has coached many great quarterbacks over the years, including Mason Nias, Jordan Yance, Sawyer Bittner, and the list goes on and on and on. He will try to direct the defending PFC champion Regina Thunder with a new quarterback this year back to the playoffs and an opportunity to once again play for a Canadian Bowl championship. We'll hear from Stefan Ensign at about 345. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back inside the cage, corner 12th and Rose. Send us texts or call us too because we got to keep our eye on the sky. I think there were some weather warnings for Saskatoon, Central, and even uh, Regina and surrounding. Like I heard hail and we could get like a 100 kilometer an hour wind. So uh, please be our eyes and ears because myself and my great producer Colson, Schult- Colson Schultz, we're here in a uh, little broom closet here. Hey, this guy hosts our halftime huddle for the home games. He's also on Locker Talk on Access. Now it is Pete Pasco. Pete, how are you, bud? Good. How are you? Good, man. Uh, can you see outside? Lobster. What's that? Uh, I had. You know what? It's funny because people are like, "Oh, did you have a great time?" It was fun. It was good. It's my second time there. Last year, me and the girlfriend, we took like we were out there earlier, so we did a bit of the touring. So I didn't have to do as much this year, but uh, didn't get much time. We came in later, and because uh, the riders came in a little bit later, contrary to popular belief, Pete, they weren't going. Uh, well, maybe not popular belief, but some fans are. I saw on social media. Oh, they were partying. They looked disinterested. No, they they weren't partying. Uh, they um, they were there to help put on the show. But we went a little later. When you think about it, Pete, the riders uh, in a week were in all three all. Uh, pardon me, all the time zones in Canada, which is crazy to think about it. That's nuts. That's as somebody who's played and coached at a much much lower level than that, I can tell you that's tough physically and mentally. Yeah, it is, Pete. I'll tell you what. I was not making excuses, but I was. I finally got. You know, I was. At 11 o'clock at night, I'm like, I should be going to sleep. But I'm like, it's 8 o'clock back home. I can't sleep. It's, it's crazy. And then about 3 in the afternoon, you're tired. So I can't imagine playing. But, yeah, it was, it was a great trip. Uh, the the riders put on a great show. Uh, the fans showed up. There weren't just rider fans there. Argo jerseys, stamp jerseys, Hamilton jerseys, bomber jerseys. So it was a good uh, celebration of the CFL. Pete, I, I just want your thoughts. You're a pretty reasonable guy. You have been uh, my whole life since I've known you. Um I look at that. I didn't think it was the thirty-one thirteen game, and I'm I'm trying not to see it through green and white glasses, but maybe I am. How did you see it? There were, uh, as Suits loves to say on the TSN broadcasts, there were four, maybe five plays that made that game, and that was definitely the case in that game. The pick six killed them. The punt return for a touchdown killed them. I mean, the defense honestly played pretty well against the Toronto Argos. Only gave up 17 points, and only one of them was a major. Yeah, and and that's like, well, you you I've I've kind of ranted a bit. Let somebody else talk. Mason, fine. What what do you think of his play? And more specifically, what do you think of his play from week to week, from BC to Toronto? I saw improvement, and I mean, for a young guy that age with that limited playing experience, and especially as a starter. That's what you want to see. You want to see him get better week from week. Did Mason Fine lose him that game? No. However, having said that, when Dolagala got in late in the fourth quarter, I was reminded, uh, this is going back a little ways, but I'm sure you'll remember this as well, 
2000, when Henry Burris made his first start as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, you remember in the late 90s, it was a succession of noodle-armed quarterbacks. Jimmy Kemp, Steve Sarkeesian. Mm -hmm. Kevin Mason actually had a pretty good arm, but he was also about eight pounds. Um, Yeah. So when Henry Burris came in, and his first game as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, and he threw deep, I remember this very well. Everyone in the stands just went, oh, that's what that's supposed to look like. You got a little bit of that with Doligala, I have to admit. But the physical tools are there. We all, I think anyone can see that. It's just a matter of the coaches see something or know something that think that makes them think that Mason finds the better option as a starter right now. Well, I'm glad you said that, and I want to piggyback that because, listen, I am not against Jake Dolagala. That'll be some of the narrative probably coming out of this, too. I am not against Jake Dolagala. I think mm-hmm. I, I fist-bumped him when he got on the bus. Like, great throw. Like, you look good. He, he looked in command. But, Pete, you are a highly certified coach, and I'm not just saying that. Like, you can't get better than what Pete does in terms of being certified for an amateur football coach. These guys as an amateur football coach, you watch copious amounts of film and you write up plays and you go through scenarios. It is but on. It's not my job. Yeah. It's not my day to day, year round job. It is for these guys. Yes. So I defer so, to them if they tell me they think this quarterback. And that's what I mean. These guys are watching gross amounts, uh, like gross hours in terms of watching film in the in the room with the guys at practice, sleeping under their desk. They're, they're doing all of this stuff. So if they put Mason Fine out on the field and they got to win, like Dickinson and O'Day got to win. So you don't think they're going to put the best guy on the field that they think right now can get them to win? Well, I sure hope so. Yeah. like I it, sure hope so. Yeah. Although, interesting what Edmonton did today. Yeah, it is, and 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 it's kind of similar. Um, listen, he 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 got a long leash. He was like four and twenty three. This guy, uh, I just don't know, Pete. From your perspective, how do you develop a quarterback? How how do you do? How do you do it? Because I don't think you do it pulling him out after two starts when he hasn't stunk to join out. If he threw five interceptions like Bo Levi Mitchell did the other day, then I say, okay, put Jake Dolagala in. What are you guys waiting for? Mm-hmm. No, I think uh, I think. Yeah, from my perspective, Mason Fine deserves one more start, at least against, and this is also a factor, against a defense that isn't one of the top two in the league, like he just went up against in consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I do think, though, Pete, we don't like using this term in sports, but you and I can use it because we're not coaching the team. They have to win. This is a must win. They've got to win to stop the bleeding, and they've got, and Mason Fine's got to win as a starting quarterback so we can put the whole he's over as a starter behind him. Well, I think so. If this uh, if this losing skid gets any longer, I'm afraid you're going to have to start thinking about next year already, and that's that's a dismal thought to even think about. Yeah, and and I think people are kind of feeling that right now, and and no, um, you know, no disrespect to them, I get it. They're 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 looking at it, going, "Oh, we were four and one last year. Then we got a little bit of injuries, and we circled the drain, and we and we and we went down. I mean, you, and then we went down into six and twelve season. I think they're feeling that, but I I listen. I think a couple of coaching decisions maybe hurt us against the BC Lions, and there oh, yeah. were a couple of plays we left out on the field, and that was a very tight nineteen nine ball game. Okay, and the defense showed up, uh, and then this game here, Mason Fine outplayed Chad Kelly, the guy who everybody would say is the second best quarterback in the CFL. Some might say the best right now ahead of Zach Claris. Mason Fine outplayed him. Um, the drop touchdown pass, fumble in the end zone. 
Yep. That's a different game. And a 72 yard punt return for a touchdown from Leak. That's something that, you know, that's not the quarterback's fault. You got to have good special teams coverage there. And you know what? I would very much like to see, well, actually, I'd like to see both of them, uh, Fine and Dola Gala, play behind a completely healthy O line and a healthy set of receivers. We haven't seen that yet this year, so we really don't have a true indication of what either guy can do. Well, and you know what, Pete? That's a real good point, and I haven't brought it up yet. I'm glad you did. That kid took an absolute beating. He took an, he's barely taller than me, okay? And with Dolagala, you can't coach size and you can't coach. You can have all the certificates as a coach you want, Pete. You can't coach 6'7", and you can't coach Flickerist 60 yards downfield. I totally get it. But Mason Fine took an absolute beating. He stood in there to make some throws. Uh, you know, there was one throw where he rolls out a la Cody Fajardo, throws across his body, and puts it right on the screws. Jake Dolagala, that's one of his... Tr- he's not very good on the run. And with this offensive line trying to figure it out, uh, you know that could be another issue factoring in. Crazy prediction, not based on any inside knowledge or, or facts. <laughs> hmm. we, we like those in the media, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Derek do. Dennis should be getting a phone call. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Derek Dennis is sitting at home. He was an outstanding offensive lineman. He's not that old. Still good enough to play down south this past year. He could probably lock down your left tackle position. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brandon Council uh, wasn't expected to be there, you know, the big left tackle coming out of camp, uh, Hawkins, and you had Tucker before that. Um, and, and, of course, he's, uh, I think, the third or the fourth option. I thought he was playing well, uh, but last a little bit he's kind of struggled. And I I really found Colin Kelly laboring at the end of that game. Like, he was, he could barely move. I, at the end of the third quarter, it was a struggle for him to go to the other end of the field. So I don't know what's uh, ailing him. He missed one day of practice last uh, last. Last week, I don't know. And lastly, before I let you go, how about Jason Shiver's defense? It is playing lights out right now. Yeah, it is, and it's missing an absolute stud in Roland Milligan, who might be the defensive MVP this year uh, for the Riders at the very least. Jason Shiver's is a very underappreciated coach. He doesn't make a lot of noise. He doesn't, uh, you know, draw a lot of attention to himself. He just goes about his business and plugs and plays guys in and generally gives you a chance to win. Yeah. Hey, with the receiver injuries, though, Pete, I think it's been real nice to find. Uh, now, they knew, you know, for all the for all the criticism O'Day gets, he signed Sean Payne Jr., and he's really starting to come into his own now, over 500 yards receiving on pace for about 1,500. Had a great game, got the ball uh, as the offensive game star. Uh, carried that, like, uh, remember the movie The Program when the guy had to protect the ball from fumbling? That's what he oh. was doing, carried it on the bus. Uh, but anyway... Uh, he and Tevin Jones has really emerged. Tevin Jones is my favorite rider receiver, to be honest. He's, he's looked great. He blocks well, which, of course, I know nobody listens their number one priority, but I always look at that because there's a couple, guy who, couple guys who don't block well. He blocks well, he runs well, he's a big target, and he's got good hands. What's yeah. not to love? Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, Pete, that, so uh, prediction as, a, uh, as an announcer and a fan. Riders win the game on Sunday? I think, well, at least I very much hope that uh, Shivers and company have an answer for Dustin Crum. I think the bubble's about to burst there. And as long as you can get some kind of an offense going, you should be able to hold off Ottawa. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it.
My pleasure. That's awesome. The great Pete Pasco joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Go there, ask them about their Rough Rider Sweet deal, and they will hook you up uh, with an opportunity to watch a game in a luxury suite, a Rough Rider game. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. You're not going to get a lot of negativity here with regards to the Rough Riders. Uh, We live in a negative world, and hey, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm all chips and gum and roses. I call call it like I like to see it too, but at the end of the day, I'm going to start calling it a little more positively than a lot of other people, some media, and a contingent of fans. Like it, hate it, I really don't care. Um... I think maybe I have a bit of a different perspective on it because I'm in this job now and I travel with this team all the time and I've got a kid involved in high-level football and I just I guess I'm close to being the age of a lot of these guys. I could be a lot of those guys' dad, so I kind of look at it through almost like a father's eyes and in a way, maybe that's... People will say, you're supposed to be the... You're supposed to be a, a journalist. Well, I'm a play-by-play guy and a talk show host. Uh, I do have an opinion. Um... It's kind of walk a fine line, but I, I'm going to go positive here. I'm not. I don't think this is like last year. It, we have lost three straight. We do have to win this game. Like, there's no excuse. You have to win this game. This is a winnable game. This used to be a tough place to play. You have to win this game. This is a must win for the Rough Riders. Dicky won't say it, but I'm saying it. You have to win this. You have to win it. And you have to win it if you're Mason Fine. You absolutely have to have this one. Time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. This guy helps uh, develop the stars of tomorrow today, and he's helped develop a lot of young quarterbacks. Stefan Ensign joins us of the uh, Regina Thunder. Hey, bud, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. I asked you. I asked Macaulay. You got back to me first. Macaulay's told me to beat it. I said, hey, it's like recruiting. When you are when you snooze, you lose, and uh, you're, you're out of luck. He goes, yeah, but you picked a three-star guy over a five-star recruit. I said, the three-star recruit is better upside, Macaulay. So I'm glad you're on the show. That, that's what I am. I'm all upside for sure. <laughs> so you've watched quarterbacks. You've coached quarterbacks. You're not with the Rough Riders, but you're from the outside. I don't know if you really watched the Rider game, if you had a chance, if you were busy practicing. But just your thoughts on, you know, the me- mentality of developing a quarterback and, and you know, how long of a leash you give a guy. Now, granted, I get it. Junior football is different than professional where you're paid to win or lose. But just your thoughts. Well, I think that's like that's true. Quite a bit different, and it's really hard to say when you're not in the not in the coach's room, not in the locker room, and seeing how those guys are interacting with each other in the team. I, I was at the game where, where Trevor Harris got hurt, and it was it was devastating because everything that I saw from him leading up to it was uh, this guy's the real deal. Is, is is my personal opinion. I think we all thought that. And you know, Mason Fine. I, I heard what you said um, earlier. I agree. He needs he needs to start playing well, but. Um, he sure has a lot of talent, so and and I think they would see that in practice. So I'm I'm sure that'll turn it around. Yeah. So let's talk about your football team, Stefan. Yeah. Uh, a team trying to get back to the Canadian Bowl had a great season, won the PFC, and just came up short on home turf. Just your thoughts on uh, what you got coming back, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, obviously the way it ended last year was tough, sour taste in our mouth. We, you know, it's it's hard to 
well, it's fun to go undefeated, I suppose, until the last game. But that was that was a tough one. Two points uh, has sat with us all winter, and and we have had a little bit of turnover. We're going to have a new quarterback this year with Carter Shuchek leaving, and we have a we have an open competition. So we're kind of going through a little bit of that right now with Nick Hasselfield and Carter Moberg, and and Ethan Hug is getting some reps as well. And and we hope to kind of decide who's going to be the guy by the end of our our exhibition game this week. Um, and they're neck and neck. It's 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 been great. Lots of new receivers. Isaac Ford um, and Ryland Sokol have moved on, but we got we got a ton of guys like we're, you know, we're feeling really talented there. Our running back room is as good as it's ever been. And, and the place where I think everything starts offensive line, we have a lot of returning vets, So we feel pretty confident that, uh, is it Huggins? You said, isn't he the lefty from Winston Knoll? Am I right? When I say that? He's a righty, Huggy. Uh, oh. he's a huggy. Yeah. A, a hug is his last name. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, he's, uh, He's he's a uh, he's a righty. He's, he's short, but he can he can really spin the ball, man. He can he can really go. Well, we know a short guy that could spin the ball, Noah Picton. So let's not hold height against the guy exactly. when it comes to local quarterbacks. Tell us about the other two guys at quarterback. He's had open competition there. Yeah, Nick Hasselfield is uh, from Manitoba. He's he was been on our team last year. Um, was his first year. He's a he's a big, tall, strong guy. He's like six five, six six. He can throw the ball all over the field. Smart. Um, worked really hard in the off season to to improve and and uh and i think we're starting to see that on the field and carter moberg's from swift current um he's been on our team for two years uh the guy's phenomenal he can he can do basically anything with the ball as well and and a real team guy that's done a good job of um you know fitting in with the players and and doing doing everything he needs to do in the off season to be to be ready to compete so you know as as we said in the quarterback room they're neck and neck right now so they just need to keep playing and only good things can happen i suppose will this be a more run heavy team then if you've got a little change over at quarterback and receiver well i don't know we were like maybe we we ran the ball last year i think 49% of the time so we like we like to run the ball um as it is so it could be but we we really do try to be week to week in what we do. So whatever we think we're better at than than the team that we're playing or wherever their weaknesses are, we try to attack. It's um it's kind of as simple as that, but we you know, if we can run the ball we're gonna we're yeah. gonna probably do it. Do you know much about the other teams? Like where would your team stack up in terms of uh you know, you come back as the defending conference champs, but where do you stack up against the other teams? Oh, I think we're as good as anybody else. Um all I can judge, I mean, we have an idea of who the returning players are and what every other team we we spend a lot of time in the off season, you know, kind of analyzing everything, but I can only judge where we are in terms of what I've seen on the practice field and what we'll see in the exhibition game in Brandon against Winnipeg and and we're good. Like we have a we have a lot of talent. I'd say easily as much talent as we had last year, uh, possibly more. So, you know, our goal is to is to go out and win. That's kind of why we do it. It's, uh, yeah. it's not just to kind of go have fun. It's like the winning part is the fun. So um, that's what we're looking to do, and that's that's what'll make us happy. Well, and that's where I go back to uh, what you know. One of my cases wasn't against Jake Dolagala, but my thing is if 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 this is a win now business in the CFL, like you guys watch uh, copious amounts of tape, you got the film work, practice, and everything at the junior level these guys do it for a living full time so if if you you have to think they're going to put the best guys on the field right you know what i mean well i think that's the thing that you're you're 100% right it's it's and i mean in game results are important so if the guys not doing it yeah. like what you see on the practice field you got to make changes i understand that but for the most part like coaches are doing it not because they want to upset fans or 
it's really what they think is right based on what they've seen on the practice field, based on the talent that they've evaluated. I mean, they're, they're trying to win. Winning is what football is about. That's the number one thing when you get to the higher levels of football. And uh, I, I think most coaches really try to do their best to put themselves in the best spot they think to win. Yeah, for sure. And now lastly, uh, Stefan Ensign, offensive coordinator, Regina Thunder. How much is this? How much do you like this preseason game to kind of work out the games? Because you have a short regular season of eight games. Well, it'll be something like uh, I like it. It's it's good to get a game. We've been practicing now. We've had our tenth practice will be tomorrow, and it's it's only so much you can do just going against each other. Obviously, it gets heated. It's been hot um, outside. Everybody's anxious and like ready to go. So I think a an opportunity to go against somebody else and and get an idea. You know, everybody will be pretty vanilla, but just to get an idea of where we're at is the most important thing to do. Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Okay. No worries. Take care. Can't wait to hear from you again. That's the great offensive coordinator of the Regina Thunder, Stefan Ensign. We'll be back after the 4 o'clock news with Arash Madani, coast-to-coast for Smart Investing Solutions. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. I'm Hamble, General Manager, and I'm excited to invite you to our friends and family event. Save $7,500 on our brand new E53 AMG sedan. Plus, check out our all-new EQ lineup. Come check out our Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned inventory and explore a wide range of over 500 pre-owned vehicles. Drive it home today. The Friends and Family event is on now. Six twenty CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Brought to you by our friends at Smart Investing Solutions. And Brian Golly, be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly, 546-2533. He is Arash Madani coast to coast it's called he's from sportsnet normally normally we have you on tuesdays and thursdays but it's pretty appropriate we have you on today since canada soiled the sheets at the world women's cup there in australia uh what do you make of that embarrassment that it really was it was an absolute embarrassment that's what i make of it um you know, when you think about where this women's program was, like, two years ago, Olympic champions, the best program in the world, and now, yes, Janine Becky was missing, and yes, Desiree Scott wasn't there, but, you know, this, this was an abject failure by everybody. This was an abject failure first by the Canadian Soccer Association, a federation that did not put the team in a proper position to be ready for a World Cup. Very few games in preparation, nothing at all. This was a failure by the players on the team. This was a failure by the coach in the first match against Nigeria. And, you know, what it really highlighted, Balsy, is how poor Canada soccer has allowed this entire program to be because the feeder system 
the under-17s and the under-20s and the under-22s, they're not getting out of the first round, the preliminary round of their world competitions too. So this is a crisis time right now for the entire sport. And it doesn't appear as if anybody is going to do much about it. Well, it's the Canadian mentality. It, it really is the Canadian mentality. Besides hockey, um, like, like I've said this before, uh, you just... You I go, don't know. No, no, listen, hear me out, hear me out. I'm listening, I'm listening. You go to Little Grand Forks, North Dakota, and it is night and day. It is night and day what they put into their sports. And you come up here to the U of R, and... It's not on the coaches. It's not on the players. I'm talking just football. It's not on the coaches and players. They try. They work hard. They produce talent. That talent goes to the CFL. But the the appetite for sports and what people put into sports in Canada, it's not even close. And the Canadian, we're seeing it on the international stage. Like you said, they weren't prepared for this tournament because Soccer Canada didn't want to put the funds in. It's well, it's not just put the funds in. They they just don't want to put in the work. Yes. Like, yes. like winning, winning is hard. <laughs> you know, like if, if winning was easy, everybody would do it. And there is so much at every level that's required. Where I take pause in what you're saying, Ballsy, is like, I think you're looking at some of the team competitions. But I look at, for instance, swimming now. We are on the precipice of watching the greatest individual sport athlete on the planet. Mm-hmm. She's going to have her coming out party at the Paris Olympics next year. That's, that's Summer McIntosh, who's already at the World Championships, dominating. Yeah. Uh, starting tomorrow here in Toronto, I'm going to be going to the men's national team basketball training camp in preparation for the FIBA World Cup, the Olympic basketball qualifier. Yeah. We have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, all-NBA first team. We have Jamal Murray who could have been the NBA Finals MVP world champion. We have R.J. Barrett, first-round pick. We have players. I think that team is going to do really well this summer. But, but, the soccer situation is an abject failure. And while the players own part of it, the majority goes on the governing body in our country. Zarash Madani always puts it so eloquently, where I'm rough around the edges, he isn't. Anyway, let's go to Edmonton, where we'll start here. Talk about rough around the edges. Yeah, the Elks have told Stephen McAdoo, you're out as offensive coordinator. Jarius Jackson will call the place. McAdoo will go over and work on the defensive side. We know why that's happening, so that people can't say he's still running the offense. And he isn't fired because, number one, you mentioned this a, a while ago, one of the great traits of Chris Jones is he's loyal to his his people in a brutal business, so McAdoo's around. Part of it's that, part of it's coaching cap. Um, but really, what have they done here? They've just basically moved the deck chairs on the Titanic. Totally, total reshuffling. That's all that was. Right? And what's right? Yeah, this is my question. I mean this sincerely. What's really going to change? Well, Jarius Jackson has said today that there's going to be an open competition for number one between Jared Dagey and uh, Trey Ford. Your guy, your MOP candidate, I have to keep rubbing that in, (laughs) Taylor Cornelius is now the guaranteed money man, is now third on the depth chart. Can we we rewind for a second what you just said? Mm -hmm. Tomorrow will be the first day of August. And there is an open competition for a quarterback. 
Like, that's the stuff you want to hear in off-season workouts or maybe even the first day of training camp. Like, what's next after this? Are they going to wait for the U of A cuts from the Golden Bears and say, okay, who's coming in? We got open tryouts. Who can throw the ball? Are they going to go off to the flag football leagues in Edmonton and, and, and offer tryouts there? Mm-hmm. I mean, ballsy. What are they? What do you mean, open competition? Yeah, like I go back to the. Listen, I go back to the. Sometimes decisions. There's a fork in the road, and and things go off the rails. And I go back to that Argos game in Edmonton when it was still a winnable game. They had a puncher's chance against the Argos, defending sure. champs. The kid at 130 yards and one touchdown, his best game of the season, and you pulled him early in the third quarter, and then everything just went. Kai Loxley, that was the pouting game, and then it just went downhill, after, really downhill after that. I just... Well, how about, how about week one where you had three chances to get one yard in the end zone and you don't? Yeah, or the Riders, or back here when you could have had a uh, first down to get a field goal to seal the game, and it didn't happen. So there have been chances. All right, so I joke about you and Taylor Cornelius, but you did uh, say it even before I said it. This would, you know, the Calgary uh, Stampeders are a reputation team. They're they're yep. they're on the slide, and it certainly looks like they're on the slide. Although I will say they're playing hard. They are playing hard. They may be playing hardballsy, but their their roster is not very good. Mm. The talent on that team is not very good. They they have a Lewis at receiver, but guess what? Nick Lewis is a Hall of Famer. He was part of that, you know, part of the previous regime, and then people still feel the Stampeders are what they used to be when Nick Lewis was running around, not this Lewis running around. Yeah, like this is a franchise that has not won a playoff game since they won their last Grey Cup in 2018. And yet the Stampeders always seem to get the benefit of the doubt from people. Um, Why? Yeah, well, it's because of the reputation. It's because of Huffnagel. It's because of Dickinson. Um, But let me ask you this. They haven't done anything. Yeah, let me ask you this. Jake Mayer, what do you make of him? You know, there there are some people in sports who don't believe clutch exists. I think they're idiots. (laughs) Um, Like, there is a clutch gene in you. Like, you are a big-game quarterback or you're not. You're a a big-moment quarterback or you're not. Jake Mayer has cost the Stampeders now two football games with his decision-making at the end of games. Remember the Ryder game Mm -hmm. about a month ago, Ballsy? Oh, yeah, I remember. What was he doing at the end of that one? Mm -hmm. And then last night... You know, yeah, his receiver let him down on second and goal, but third and goal, again, understand the situation. Why are you throwing a Hail Mary at the back of the end zone when you have a first down, you could have another shot at the end zone? Jake Mayer did some things well throughout the game last night. He also made some mistakes. The weather was lousy, whatever. But, but the measure of a quarterback is that ultimately when you need a win, you need a touchdown, you need a first down, with a game hanging in the balance, that's when you have to show up. And Jake Mayer is continuing to not just fold and fail, whatever. It's, it's the decision-making at the end of games 
that makes you wonder, does this guy even have the makeup to be the franchise quarterback for a professional football team? So, um, part of, and a big part of being a head coach of a professional football team is to be able to manage game situations, clock, onside kicks, whether to go for it, uh, how we close out games. Why can't some of these coaches think on their feet. You have won the game. Somehow you won the game when your quarterback threw five interceptions. Two weren't his fault. But you've won the game. Why, oh why, is the guy who came off your six-game injured list early in there in a situation where he has to be in a short yarded situation. Taylor Powell needs to go in there. And Arash, if Taylor Powell, well, he didn't practice it. He doesn't practice it. Listen, if a prof- then practice it. Well, then never practice it with Taylor Powell. My goodness. Well, but Arash, Arash, Arash. Yeah. If I coached minor football all the way up, okay? If a guy even my kids could take a snap and fall forward, okay? If Taylor Powell can't take a snap and fall forward, then get a new quarterback. He isn't a professional quarterback. Like, what do you What a disaster. What? Uh, uh, it's, it's unfathomable, Baldy. Like, and I... And I I want to preface this because I worked with Orlando Steinauer. Uh, he was our great cup analyst one year at Sportsnet. I really like Orlando, respect Orlando. I think he's a heck of a football coach and and a heck of a football mind. I, I, I just wonder, do these, like, it, it's indefensible. It is coaching malpractice. And I just wonder, in these moments, like, is there brain freeze sometimes? Do you just say, okay, Bo's our guy. we got to finish it with Bo. Like, if, if Taylor Powell hadn't taken that snap before, then put your damn long snapper in for crying out loud. Or put your holder in. Put your punter in. I don't care who. Somebody who, who knows. Put a running back in for crying out loud. Do not put your franchise quarterback who you've just missed for, what, four or five weeks? And now he's going to need surgery? Yeah, I, I don't. I I just don't understand it. Like he's a smart man. He's a good coach. I've talked to him too. Like I, what? Like what? It's baffling. It doesn't it's ba- make it's it, so baffling. It doesn't make. And, and and is Bob Young such a nice guy that he won't say anything? Because I would absolutely throw my hat at him when he came to the dressing room. I'm like you. Like the Tiger Cats are done. The Tiger Cats yeah. are done. They're literally done. You are hosting the Great Cup, and there is. Uh, there's no chance in H E double hockey sticks the Hamilton Tiger Cats are in the Grey Cup. They're done. They're finished. Yeah, they can't. They actually, at this point, can't because we've seen the Taylor Powell show and on and on it goes. And 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 here, like this, this is this is now a pattern, Baldy. Like it's not just a one year thing or a two year thing or a three year thing. Teams cannot spend huge dollars on one quarterback anymore in this league because you're not going to have that player finish the season. You're just not. Arash, it's been fun, man. We'll talk to you later.
Thanks, Baldy. Take care. That's Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions Coast to Coast. When we come back, we'll get to some of your techs or clutch performance. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Pressure on. Pumps, pumps, goes to the outside. It was late. It's picked off. It's Ento. House call. Yes. Touchdown, Alouette. KB on Ento's interception was the only touchdown of the game as the Montreal Alouettes beat the Calgary Stampeders 25-18 yesterday in CFL action. The Stamps dropped the 2-5. The Alouettes are 3-3. Three three. Our clutch performer, KB on Ento, for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call, 781-1077. All right, uh, welcome back to the show. Okay, let's get to uh, some of these texts at 936-6262, just powered by the Capital Auto Group. Uh, this one from James. Hey, boys, my neighbor across the street went Al Pacino dog day afternoon on me after the game. Says we're the worst team in the CFL, worse than the Elks. Cut, fine, replace all the coaches. I said, dude, look at your lawn. It's dead. Then I walked away. Let's beat Ottawa. Let's be 5-5 five and five at Labor Day. Two of the next three are at Mosaic. It's doable, James. Uh, Balsy, please tell me you don't agree with Dickie and his leg-back approach. Uh, work ethic's the problem. I remember when uh, Chamberlain it's Chamberlain, not Chamberlain, was the coach, and Dickey was special teams coach. Corey wanted the coaches to report a little early to start the season to put some extra work in, and Dickey said, sorry, I quit. This is cutting into my snowboarding time. He's in way over his head, looks like a deer in headlights. Every time the camera shows him on the sidelines and his decisions show it. Thanks. Love the show, Brett. Well, Brett, um, I think Craig Dickinson is a good football coach. He has shown he's a good football coach. He had this team in two straight Western finals. Last year was a bad year. This year started out fine, just like last year. Uh, I think it's two different years. I don't think it's exactly the same. I think there's some really good dudes in the locker room. I think they're still playing hard for the head coach. I think the coaches made some mistakes. The coaches will tell you they made some mistakes. They need to be better, and the players need to tighten it up and be better, too. How about Leak catching the ball on the near sidelines going wide and he ran uh, he outran the angles which is unbelievably hard to do yes he got some blocking help I think Harold Amana missed the tackle uh, and there was another missed tackle the dude ran about 130 yards to score a 71 yard touchdown like special teams needs to tighten up at times the offensive line has been a work in progress and they need to be a little bit better and they know that uh, the quarterback needs to be better at times everybody needs to tighten up and be better but but it is a long season and they're three and four and they have to win this game Sunday. If they're four and four feeling good going to Montreal, I feel they could beat the Alouettes too and be back five and four to take on the BC Lions here, a team they played hard against and lost 19 to nine. This team isn't a grease fire. It's not Hamilton. It's not Edmonton. I think it's better than Ottawa. I think it's better than Montreal. The best team in the league, I'll give you my power rankings in a bit, but the the best team in the league's the Toronto Argonauts, followed closely by the BC Lions, and then the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and then it's everybody else. And the Bombers aren't like Father Time's tapping on their shoulder. They're a very beatable team. So you just got to figure this out and get to the playoffs. This from uh, 
Dan, give fine. It's fine, by the way. A lot of people, not just Dan, call him fines. It's fine. Mason Fine. We haven't even allowed him to be a household name yet. We're already getting rid of him. His name is Mason Fine. Give fine an honest fighting chance to show what he can do. Don't kick him to the curb yet. That's from Dan. The way I look at it, this team didn't play that bad. We should have had a couple of more touchdowns. So that's a completely different game. But our running game royally stinks. And I don't think fine played bad again. But maybe try Dolagala now to see if he can finish a bit better. But I definitely think the coaching and management needs to go. Corey from Radville. So that's all over the place. People are just upset. They just, hey, listen, I get it. People want to see a winner. We haven't been to the Grey Cup in 10 years. Craig Reynolds said we want sustained success. That's what he said he wanted when he took over. Um, You could say they're fairly successful off the field. You could say they had a couple of years success, 2019 and 2021. Well, no, 2017 and 2018 were pretty successful too. Um, Jones left. Dickinson came in uh, as the head coach after they weren't allowed to get Paul at police. Um, They had a couple of good years, a bad year, and um, it's so-so right now. But it's only... Week 8. We've only played 7 games. Now, now I will say this. I'll go on record at 428 on July the 31st, 2023. If the Rough Riders lose to the Ottawa Red Blacks, who are no free space in the bingo card, they're a good football team, but this is a very winnable game. If they don't win this game, then I think we need to seriously ask some real questions about this team. I am not questioning this team right now. I, I still think they have. I picked them eight and ten, nine and nine. I picked them nine and nine. I still. People are like, oh, they're never winning another game. No, they're not. They're going to win some football games. I think they're going to win on Sunday. I still see five winnable games and maybe six on the uh, on the dance card here before it's all said and done. Nine and nine, get to the playoffs and. Hey, anything can happen. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for your sports ticker, and we'll tell you the Toronto Blue Jays are home to the Baltimore Orioles. They took two of three from the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they made a trade for the uh, closer Hicks out of uh, St. Louis. He's apparently uh, just a flame-throwing right-hander. I don't watch a lot of uh, St. Louis Cardinals baseball, but uh, there you go. Also, um, Canada lost at the... uh, FIFA Women's World Cup, 4 nothing. They are out of the tournament there. And in CFL news, Jarius Jackson, the new offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Elks. Stephen McAdoo stays on as an advisor on the defensive side of things. And, and, um, he says there's going to be an open competition, says Jerry's Jackson, for the starting quarterback role between Jarrett Daggy and Trey Ford. And uh, heading to the third string spot is Taylor Cornelius. Our sports ticker is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sportsgate CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Spread right, fake spear. Play pass, 16 counters, ZD bang. Pull back west right, zoom. Pull back left, pass half back at zero, Z quick screen left. On one, break two. The CFL Report for Kevin's Marine and Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in person in Fort Coppell or online at kevinsmarine.com. While the winless Edmonton Elks are on their bye and they've shuffled the 
deck chairs on the Titanic. They've promoted Jarius Jackson to the role of offensive coordinator and moved Chris Jones's friend Steve McAdoo to an advisory role. Quote, it's never easy to make a significant change to your coaching staff during the season, but our results have not been up to our standards. Jarius has proven in his career that he's up to the task of leading an offense to success, and I expect that to be the case given his abilities and familiarity with our team. We got 10 games to make significant strides as a team this season, and Jarius is going to be a key part of that process. Edmonton was shut out for the second time this season, second time by the BC Lions on Saturday night, 27 to nothing. The team has scored only 105 points through eight games this year, averaging 13.1 points per game and ranks last in many offensive categories. Now, in a very brutal business, you got to say this. Coach Chris Jones is very loyal to his people and you know maybe it's a bit of that and a bit of the handcuffs with the coaching and operations cap but it's pretty admirable that he sticks with his guys and doesn't throw them under the bus nobody covers your team like our team this is the sports cage on the mighty 620 ckrm ah this from Regina, from uh, Jim and Regina. The Riders have the worst coaching staff in the league and definitely the worst head coach. Well, <laughs> patience is worn thin with a lot of fans. I don't tend to agree with that, but I'm not going to get into the best or worst coaches. I'm not a coach. I'm a radio announcer, but the, I don't agree with that one. All right, let's head out in the uh, Western Pizza Hotline and say hi to our friend Tevin Jones, number 14 of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. TJ, how are you? I'm all right. How you doing? Good, man. So first off, uh, your experience in – I can't remember. I know you were on the team last year. Did you play in Halifax last year? I did play in Halifax last year. Yeah, so uh, how did you find your second go-around this time? Uh, my second go-around, was, it was uh, a lot better this time. Uh, because I played more offense. But, um, uh, again, we, we didn't come out with the win, so yeah. um, I guess that, that's kind of tough on me. Yeah, that's a, long, that's, a long, that's a long way to go not to win. I don't think people realize, right, unless they've played this sport or played sports in general, but football's a different, like, I know you play short weeks within five days, but football's generally set up to play seven days. So the lifting, the the treating your body right. You had a bit of an illness this week, uh, last week, pardon me, going into the game to, to, to fly down there, all the film work. And then you play like it is, it is. Un- That's why guys celebrate when they win and why they're kind of pissed off when they lose. It's a lot that goes into playing one game. Yeah, it definitely is. Especially when you put all that time and all that effort into getting your body right. Uh, especially from being sick. Then traveling on the plane, then getting there, then practicing, then putting extra time in. Then when you're off, then you got time to uh, actually look look at them and look at whatever. But while you're off, you want to uh, go through the city, but you can't because you got to push fluids inside because you have been sick. And then even the, all the fluid that you did drink is not enough because you know it's, it's humid out there. So there's a lot of things that 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 add up to. I add up to it. Yeah, so talk about that, Tevin, for me, from your standpoint. You were sick. You had the flu. Uh, you go there. You got to push the fluids in, like you said. How much does that humidity zap you, especially for a guy trying to come back from the flu? Well, it, it, it's tough because you got to drink. Like, for me, I thought I drank enough, but I didn't. Um, uh, when I when I went down in like the, on the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. uh, it was because I had a cramp. I had a cramp. 
and I had to drink more than usual. Well, way more than usual when I thought I did, but I did not. Mm. <laughs> I drank three Pedialytes. I drank a lot of water. Gatorade wasn't enough. Tevin Jones yeah. joining us here, number 14 of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Take me through your mentality here, okay? I, I, You can listen back to the audio. It's out there somewhere. I'll just say it to you. I, you ran a slant pattern from right to left, uh, and uh, you didn't catch that ball. And I said, hey, that's one Tevin Jones I'd like to have back. He's got to catch that one. He normally makes that catch. How do you flush that and go on to the next play or the next plays? Because you did flush it and had a pretty good game after that. Yeah, um, from the very beginning of the game, Coach Dickey said that we're going to have some adversity. Somewhere, somehow, we're going to have some adversity. we got to get over it, and we got to move on. So when that ball came, I was waiting on that ball all, I mean, from, from the jump, because I knew they were going to play outside, outside leverage, and inside was wide open. And I um, tried to set it up, and it took too long, turned my head around, and I barely seen the ball. And I and I, I wanted that ball so bad, but, I you know, it's mm. – it is what it is. Either I, I could let that ball beat me up and eat me on the inside and ruin my whole game, or I could just forget about it and move on. And uh, luckily, um, Mason talked to me, and uh, I got over it. So talk about that. That's a very good point. I was going to ask you about Mason Fine a little later on in this interview, but talk about that and, and what you like from Mason Fine um, and, 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 you know, as a starting quarterback, as a guy directing this offense. Right. Um, so um, Mason, whether it's good He's like, hey, come on, let's keep on pushing. Let's keep, let's keep on pushing. We can, do, we can do more. And when it's bad, hey, forget about it. Let's keep on pushing. Keep on. We can do more. We can do more. You know. So all I know is that when Mason gets out there, he's gonna get. He's gonna do what needs to be done and get the ball. Get the ball up in the air. Yeah, and he's a smaller guy. You can't coach size. You can't penalize a guy for being smaller. I know uh, Doug Flutie ran around here back in the day. There's a lot of other short quarterbacks. Bryce Young, who's got drafted high by Carolina. So you can't fault the guy for being short. But here's what I hear from some fans. Oh, he has a tough time getting the ball out there. He has a tough time getting there. Just you're on the other end of receiving these passes. You could talk better than me or anybody else. You know, just talk about Mason Fine's arm strength and putting the ball where he needed to be. Man, if you if you really watch the game and watch the film and watch what happens after he throws the ball, this man gets hit left and right, left and right, taking all these hits left and right just to just for a chance to get us the ball. So when the ball is in the air, which I appreciate him getting that to us or giving us a chance to, I try to catch it or I try to do everything I can to, for me to catch the ball or for nobody else to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. But Mason, like he he does a good job on getting the ball to us and giving us a chance, you know. And that's all and that's all we can ask for him. For him. Whether he's short or not, he gets the ball out there. Um, he's a warrior. That's all I know, and I know that he's gonna, he has a lot of heart. And uh, you really, you cannot teach that because what 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 can we do as a uh, as, as a fan, as a receiver, as a as a teammate? What can I do? My job is go out there and catch the ball. His job is go out there and produce for us, and he does. Sports uh, is interesting, and the game of football is really interesting, Tevin. You can talk to this because like the coach and the quarterback are linked together. You don't see it in baseball. They don't talk about uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, uh, manager and the pitcher and this is their record together but you you talk about a quarterback and you talk about a, a a coach that way you don't do it in hockey with the goalie and the head coach so football's very interesting I, I think Mason gets kind of a bad rap like oh he's 0-5 as a starter or 0-4 as a starter Bo Levi Mitchell was this when he when he started like it, it is a total team effort to win and lose the football game. I think it's a little unfair sometimes to hang it on the quarterback, which, by the way, unless you want to disagree with me, is the toughest position to play in North American sports. The quarterback is the, is the, uh, the um, hardest position to play um, because if everything goes good, it's all because of the quarterback. If everything goes bad, it's all because of the quarterback. 
It, it, can, it can be the receiver's fault, the O-line's fault, the coach's fault. It doesn't matter. It's all because of the quarterback. So whether it's 0-5 or 5-0, and 0, you know, can the quarterback has one job to do, and that's win the game. So um, uh, as far as um, him doing his job and stuff like that, I think he's doing a good job. And um, and, all, and the only thing he can do is put his best foot forward. And the only thing I can actually do is put his best foot forward and let, and let all the cards lay out for itself. Mm-hmm. Now, um, all, we, all we can do is pray about it and work harder and, and fix our mistakes from here or from, from here on out and uh, get better from there. Like, from game, from, ga- from game to game to game, did he get worse? No, this man's getting better and better and better. And we got 11 games to go, and I can't wait to play with him the next game. It's a very good way to put it. And let's not forget, Jake Dolagala comes off the bench as a good backup has to do and slings that ball around. Just talk from your perspective, Tevin. What's it like to uh, play with two different quarterbacks, and does that add any stress? Like, you know, because obviously Dolagala has other, uh, like I said, uh, you know, uh, Mason Fine being short. You can't coach size, and you can't coach the way that guy throws the ball with a flick of the wrist. What's it like for you from a receiver's perspective? Now, from a receiver's perspective, um, for me, it's like whatever I can do to make my quarterback's job easier, easy. The easiest way I can make I, make, I can make him do his job. And, that's, mm-hmm. and, and, and to execute the problem. And the problem is to win a game. You know, we've got to win games. Mm-hmm. So um, for, um, when I see a quarterback change, I'm like, oh, you know, now I'm tapped in. I have, to, I have to do something to help out my quarterback, no matter who the quarterback is. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I see Doley, I'm like, okay, cool. That now Doley has different has different strengths, right? Mm-hmm. And I can see him. He, he's bigger, you know. Not not like I can't see Mason, but um, um, Doley went in there and he did he did his job. He, he distributed the ball out, gave the ball out to all of us, and, and he got on there and executed all the plays, and we, we went down there and scored. Now you didn't win he the game. Everything. Yeah. You didn't win the game, Tevin. You didn't win the game, Tevin, but uh, you have really had a great year. I've said this before. I think you're the best. You're my favorite receiver on the team. I just like. I just think you're a good football player, and I'm not saying that because you're on the air. I've said it when I haven't talked to you. You, you, you play special teams well. You bust your butt. Uh, you come back from a drop pass and have a really good football game. You're tough. You're physical. Um, are you feeling pretty... Like, is your confidence at an all-time high right now, even though the team has kind of lost three games straight? Uh, my confidence is always high, no matter if we win or lose. Because when we win, I, I'm a, uh, it, it makes your confidence high. When you lose, you, like it makes me want to play better so we can win. You know, because I, I just hate losing. <laughs> now, the thing is, every time I have a good game, we end up losing, and I hate it so bad because I can't celebrate at all. It, it, so it makes me want to work harder. You know, so all these adversity things that keep happening to me, I think they happen for a reason. But I think that. Um, as a team, it's not going to be nothing but make us stronger, and I love it. That, so, that's why that, that's why I love the game of football. What do you like about Kelly Jeffries' offense since he's uh, taken over here? I I had a nice little conversation with him yesterday, and he even said to me, "No, I got to be better with some of my calls." So he's taking accountability too, and I think as a player, that's probably great that your coaches take accountability as well, right? Right. So he he doesn't just lay it on us and say it's your fault or or point the finger or this and that. No, he, he, he points the finger at himself and says, hey, what can I do to make this team better? You know, and, and the only thing we can do is say, what can we do to make this team better? You know, he leads by example. And that's why I love Coach Kelly, and I, I'll do anything for him. Uh so you were here last year, my friend. Uh, you've played a bigger role this year, and, and that's exactly what you want to see, getting better from uh, 
play to play, week to week, season to season. Uh, but you were here, so you can speak on this. Uh, fans, I think, are concerned because this team was four and one last year. Then the Marino thing happened. Then Lanier got hurt. Then we had injuries, and it, it, it kind of circled the drain, Tevin. And we went to six and twelve. People are like, "Oh, here we go again. Three and one. Uh, lost three. Uh, it, it's going in the toilet. Same team." Tell me from your perspective why this is different or why it feels different. Because I think it is different, but I need you as a player to tell me why it's different. Um, honestly, I think that uh, when people don't expect don't expect big things from us, we're we're gonna go crazy and do big things, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, and you can see all the great things that we're doing. It's like just every, when everything lines up, we're gonna be a bet like. We're gonna be way better than, than any team in, in this whole CFL. Yeah, because we got everything that we need. We just got to line everything up the right way, and all, all we need is a little bit of time. We'll figure everything out, and that's it. That's a, and that's the people upstairs' job, and we'll do everything right. Everything. So it, it just takes like a little bit of time. And that's it. Okay, so and, and that's a thing too. I I saw this. You list, listen, you lost thirty one thirteen. There's no the scoreboard is the scoreboard. But I felt like you fumbled in the end zone. You dropped the touchdown pass in the end zone. There was a punt return that went back. Guy made a heck of a play. You missed a couple of tackles on special teams. But it, it you know it didn't feel like a thirty one thirteen game. What is the mood after like on the plane home when you guys are talking at the back of the plane there? What's the mood like? It's like, like when we got on the plane, like, of course it sucks that we lost, and we're all mad that we lost because on the field we're like, man, we beat these guys. Offense-wise, we beat these guys. Defensive-wise, defensive-wise we, they held them to a game to where we should have won. Now, the thing is, if you take off the apartment turn, if you, take, and, and if you don't make a mistake of fumbling at the line, you know what I'm saying, like take like, little things off. We win the game. We win the game. We have more yards in there. Like, we just got to finish – what we do, and, and and we can fix that. So if we can fix these little small things, and right now Toronto is number one. We're number one. So all we got to do is just fix these little small things, we'll be okay. Okay, and I'll, I'll leave it with this, because I do want to get to the bottom of this, because, you know, and, and I appreciate you coming on. You're one of, the, one of the cool dudes on the team. But when you talk about that, and you talk about we just got to – we just got to – fix these little things. How do you go about doing that? It's one thing to say it, Tevin, but how do you tighten it up so you become an Argos or you become a BC Lions? Because winning teams don't make mistakes at critical times. Right. So the thing is, right now, right now it's about figuring it out. You know, because um, uh, the people who win championships win, win later in the season. So we can figure it out right now. And then, and then start winning and get everything that we need to uh, figure out later on in the season, we'll be okay. Now, this is how we do it. We got to go here, we got to focus, and we got to win games. Mm-hmm. Then we got to find things that are, people are hurt right now. Okay, well, let's get these people right. Okay, well, what, what mistakes are we making? We got to make less mistakes. Now, being a professional is making no mistakes and never making them again, or lessening those mistakes. And that's what we got to do. One, one play at a time, one day at a time. And then he showed you that on the field, dropping that slant pattern, then coming up with some big catches later in the game. Hey, Tevin, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon, okay? All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right. That's Tevin Jones joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We'll be back in a moment here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Hey, we got an open spot here. If you want to call in, 936-6262, the number to call, or 1-866-767-0620. I'm not going to lie to you. 
I actually miss taking some of those calls after uh, the game. Not all the time, but I did. I missed it. So if you want to call in right now, I got a talk show every day, 3 to 6. We can talk football. We can talk about whatever you want. Don't be shy. Give us a call, 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. All right, uh, let's get to some of these texts. Um, Ree Ballsy's rant. We all want the riders to win. No doubt coaches and management wants to win. Us critics are all saying one thing. Management and coaches' decisions, uh, coaches aren't getting it done. And our CEO's a great guy, but he's uh, hasn't really come out of his rabbit hole in eight years. It's Uncle Wayne. Hi, Uncle Wayne. He's not my Uncle Wayne, but I just call him Uncle Wayne because uh, he listens to the show every day, and we we appreciate it. Uh, Wayne Medwid. Um, listen, Wayne, uh, he did come out of his hole. Craig Reynolds was out there uh, as the face of the organization. He came to Ryderville. He's been doing more of that. Uh Craig's a bit of a Craig's a nice man. He's a bit of an introvert. He's not like Jim Hobson. You can't compare Jim Hobson and Craig Reynolds. Uh, Craig Reynolds is slowly coming out of his shell, and uh, you know what? He's he's leaned on heavily at league circles just to get his input and and his team under him to get their input on everything from merchandising to marketing to how they run game days and everything like that. Um, and uh, yeah, kudos to the Rough Riders, man. I tip my cap to them going out there and, you know, not just the riders, but the fans that bought the tickets and went out there. Let's be honest. It's the fans that get behind this team. And yeah, you deserve to be upset. We only have four Grey Cup championships. I'm a fan. I hate it. It sucks. I can't have any nice things. I cheer for the Riders, the Oilers, the Chargers, and the Padres. My teams don't win, okay? Uh, I'm hoping this team can win. Um we haven't been to a Grey Cup in 10 years. We want to be in a Grey Cup. We're only in week seven, okay? So just let's cool our jets a bit. Let's go to the game on Sunday, a nice Sunday afternoon contest. I believe it's a 5 o'clock kickoff at Mosaic Stadium against Bob Dice and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Two, three, and four teams battling. Now, you don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. This is a crossover game. you got to win this game because it could come down to a crossover for the playoffs. And I'm not a big fan of the crossovers, but it is what it is. And, yeah, it's going to be a big game. Can't wait. Two friends on either sidelines, Bob Dice and Craig Dickinson. Uh, Crum coming back. He came back down to earth last week against Hamilton. His offensive line didn't do him any favors uh, in that tough 16-12 loss to the Tiger Cats in Ottawa. So they roll in here, and we'll see if Mason Fine can uh, rise to the occasion if he is indeed the starting quarterback. By the way, get your text coming in at 936-6262 for Coach Craig Dickinson after 5 o'clock, and we will uh, put it to him. Um, what else do we got here? Um if I was Dickie, I would have dumbed this down. After Halifax game, don't answer questions about fine. Just say, long trip, physical game, we'll talk in Regina. On Tuesday, tell media that fine was pretty beat up in Halifax, which is true. Give Jake first team reps at practice. Announce him as the starter for the next game on Thursday. Fine is back up if needed. When Jake inevitably shows why he's number four in the depth chart, then next week we can go back to a sensible plan of developing fine who played well in Halifax. Um, I like Coach Dickinson. He's a smart guy. He's very level-headed. He can't control injuries and mistakes on the field. As long as his team is behind him, they will be all right. That's from Brandon. Um, 
It's a pretty sensible text. Although, Brandon, uh, I think you, as a head coach, have to just make your own plan. Because if you listen to the fans, it's not that they don't listen to the fans, but if they do what all the fans want, (laughs) they'll be sitting with the fans. Okay, They'll be doing color commentary like Paul LaPolice who, by the way, did a great job as a color commentator on TSN. He's right behind uh, Glenn Suter as a color commentator extraordinaire there for TSN. He's much better as a panelist, um, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for the text, Brandon. I do appreciate it. 936, nobody wants to talk? I got a minute and a half to talk with you. If you want to call right now, 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. While I got a second, let's do this then, since nobody's calling in. Let's go with the power rankings here. All right? Number one, Toronto. They got the best team. No doubt about it. They got the best team in the league. Number two, the BC Lions. They've got the best defense in the CFL. Mason Fine has played the best team in the CFL and the best defense in the CFL back-to-back weeks, and he's gotten better. That's why I'm another check mark keeping him in at starting quarterback. Winnipeg has the best quarterback, so they're number three. Montreal at number four, they have the best running back. And right now, I'd say the comeback player of the year in Cody Fajardo. He threw for a pedestrian 158, no touchdowns, but uh, he's not hurting them. Number five, I've got Ottawa. They've got the best vibes in the league here in terms of, you know, uh, D- Dustin Crum and the Bob Dice feel good, but they kind of took a downward step there, a backward step uh, last game, so we'll see what happens here. No longer is it a free space in the bingo card, which I kind of thought it was a few weeks ago. The Riders are at number six. They've got the best fans Passion-wise, okay? Sometimes that passion gets carried away, but I got them at number six. Number seven, Calgary. They've got the best track record, and I I don't agree with the Rash Madani. I think they still have a decent roster, and I think that coaching staff with that regime will turn it around. They're playing hard. They will still be in the mix at the end. Hamilton is number eight. They've got the best owner, Bob Young, but he's got to be pretty pissed off right now I'd have to say like if he's not freaking out on Steinauer after that stupid decision at the end of the game then he is a really nice man and Edmonton has the best patience in terms of their fan base to continue to show up there uh, and watch that garbage can you imagine the people that bought the tickets at the start of the year in the certain sections they basically have had almost half a season of season tickets for 40 dollars by the way Edmonton also has the best, the hardest, uh, no, I can't say. They've got a guy putting in a great effort at President Victor Kui. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage after the 5 o'clock news on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And welcome back to the show. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's get to one now. You got uh, a listener on the line there. Ian from New Jersey wants to talk some football. Thanks for waiting. Ian, how are you? I'm pretty good. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm glad to hear that people have kind of calmed down since, since the game in the, the Atlantic because, uh, you know, you flipped three plays and that game could have went the opposite way. Fumbling on the one-yard line, the pick six, and the, and the return. Like, I know there's still good plays. But 
the thing that got me was the fact that going into the playing BC and then going to Toronto, I expected even if Trevor Harris was was healthy, uh, it would have been tough to come out on the winning side against those two teams. They both seem a little leaner, stronger, faster, probably a tad more physical. Uh, that's that's the thing I've been observing. And the thing that frustrates me a bit is I think the Riders have got a couple of big guys like, like Awachi and Wabell. And to me, the teams you really have to watch are the ones that got the heavy running game. Like, I mean, I, I love Morrow, I love Hickson, but, uh, but every now and again, I think you've got to go to a big bruising back and see what we can do. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I, you know, you got Olette and uh, Harris. Those are two unbelievable uh, backs. Two great tandem, uh, or great tandem, pardon me, uh, stand backs, a bull in, uh, in Montreal. Oh, yeah. You're right, Calgary's got two good guys in Kadeem Carey, so he can run downhill, and uh, of course, Diedrich Mills, and they got a little scat back. Uh, but the Riders obviously decided to configure their uh, lineup this way. Uh, I think both guys run hard. Jamal Morrow has got huge thighs, and he doesn't go down very often on first contact. Uh, the thing that's kind of uh, bewildered me a bit, but I think it has a lot to do with injuries, Ian, is Frankie Hickson isn't used that much. When he gets the ball, he's running five, six yards. He hits the hole hard. Uh, he's been okay. Not okay. He's been real solid on special teams, but he has been nicked up a bit with a back injury, so I, I don't know if they're watching him on a pitch count or whatever, but uh, if he's healthy, I'd love to see him get the ball some more and see a lot more of those two guys on the field at the same time, Morrow and Hickson, because then your middle linebacker, your linebacking core has to decide who they're going to try to eliminate and then maybe get the ball to the other guy, right? Yeah, pick one. Yeah, and also, what happened to Smith? I thought they brought him yeah, in. They had and, Smith. Uh, yeah, they had Smith. He was here, and then they let him go because, um, and you're referring to Rodney Smith, former Carolina Panther yeah. running back, who is uh, like a bowling ball. Uh, they brought in Tremaine Washington. So just from a numbers st- standpoint, Washington's a veteran defensive back. So they brought him in there because uh, Roland Milligan is out, right, with that uh, toe injury so uh, yeah. or foot injury. So he is still on the shelf. So I'm not sure when he'll be back. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of why they let uh, Rodney Smith go. Um, uh, in all in all, I think you're right. I mean, if you go back and look at that one, that's why I'm trying to pe- preach patience. Uh, I-, I said this, and fans got mad at me, some of them, but and I don't think it's everybody. I don't think it's a guy like you, Ian, or maybe I'm wrong. Like, you got you got uh, a quarterback. We want to develop a quarterback. Let's develop a quarterback. Well, now this young guy who's been in our lineup for three years is pressed into duty. He's got an opportunity now to lead the team and get some snaps. The BC game wasn't spectacular. I think some of it was play calling, but he threw uh, two bad interceptions. This game, I thought he was much better. He outplayed Chad Kelly. He threw for 302 yards. He had a touchdown dropped in the end zone by Lenius. Yeah, a little high, but Lenius has got to bring that one down. He'll even tell you that. Uh, they fumble. He leads them down. I hear this. Oh, he hasn't let him on a touchdown drive as a starter. Well, he literally put the ball in the guy's hands in the end zone. The guy drops it. Then Morrow's fighting for a touchdown at the goal line because, oh, I don't know, Mason Fine moved them down the field and he fumbles. Is that the quarterback's fault? Uh, like you said, it's not the quarterback's fault that they returned a punt for a touchdown. And on the pick six, the ball hung up there because once again, Mason Fine got his ass handed to him when he was throwing the ball. The kid took so many shots. In my opinion, Mason Fine is down the pecking order in terms of uh, things that we should be worried about on the riders. 
Yeah, and also the other thing I wouldn't mind seeing is that, yeah, I, I'd say you still make fine your number one, but uh, get Dogawa in every now and again. Like, I mean, the, the thing I liked was the speed and zip he put on the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're, the thing is to challenge going deep every now and again. You know, I don't. don't I I don't totally. A lot of times. Yeah, I don't. I don't totally disagree with that, Ian. I think Fine can throw the ball. He has a strong arm. He's put it deep. He overshot everybody on the the pass to Winicky. He's thrown some good deep balls in this uh, in this season so far. Um, But but you're right. I don't. I don't totally discount what you're saying there because. It's a you know people are clamoring for Jake Dolagala to be the starting quarterback, and I, I'm happy that he gets it if he gets his chance. But it's a lot easier to come off the bench with 2:58 to go in the game than it is starting the game. Okay, you got to keep that in mind. Jake Dolagala also is not as strong on the move throwing the football. But the way the offensive line is going right now, you have to roll them out. You have to go on the run and make some plays. So, And the other thing was consistency on completing passes. Doesn't mean he shouldn't get a chance. And doesn't mean maybe he can't come off the bench for a couple of plays or a package or whatever like they were doing with Shea Patterson. You're right, Ian. And then you give Mason Fine a chance to see from the sidelines for a couple of plays. But I'm not into this yo-yo back and forth with quarterbacks. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, and then the other thing that I find also too is sometimes going to a, like a tight end package or a two tight end package. Like I think they got the bodies and they got the guys that can do it, but it's just they very rarely want to do it. Like I mean, it seemed like we got married to the waggle totally. Whereas sometimes I think if you come in there and look like a running formation and you slip one of the big boys out. Uh, I think good things could happen. Well, Ian, thanks for watching and listening in uh, New Jersey. We appreciate it, okay? Okay, take care. Take care. That's Ian. You can call like Ian. I'm fine with talking uh, to to you about football. I love talking football. I love talking any sports. 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. The Elks are in the news. We'll talk to their voice. Morley Scott next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Coach Craig Dickinson usually joins us on Mondays, but he got tied up, so uh, he will come on tomorrow at 5.05. So that that's perfect. It gives you more time to send your texts in at 936-6262 or hit me up at the Real Ballsy on, we call it Twitter or X, whatever. Twitter? I don't, I don't know anymore. Anyway, uh, so send me a, uh, at, at, I'll say it's Twitter. Twitter X! Twitter X! Sounds like a dating site. Anyway, at uh, at the real ballsy for any questions you've got for Coach Craig Dickinson. Let's head out the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. The uh, great uh, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Elks on 630 Ched. That'd be Morley Scott. Morley, I really, f- like, um... I'm into my second season where my football team is, you know, they're they're struggling. Last year was a bad year. This year, I wouldn't say it's terrible, but the last three games haven't been spectacular. But then I, I fly home and I watch your game, and I'm like, holy cow, Morley Scott, what did he do to the football gods? Uh, how how? <laughs> my first question as a professional is, how do you stay engaged and make that sound exciting? 
Uh, it takes work. Uh, you got to concentrate. You got to put the effort in. I mean, it's been difficult. Uh, you know, seven wins in the last two and a half seasons now, uh, going back to coming out of uh, COVID. So, yeah, it's been tough. You know, and at times this year, it, it you know, the last couple of games have been different. Uh, before that, I think this year, we'd always see something that would say, you know, that's that's a positive. That's good. Let's build on that. Let's watch them build on that. Let's see them if they can take that to the next level. And then the last couple of games, yeah, you know, although they did they did stick with Winnipeg, you know, for a while in that game uh, against uh, the Blue Bombers, their their road game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then last week, uh, you know, the game obviously against the BC Lions, they just were never in it from from the start of it. And uh, that because of everything that's happened, the changes that uh, were made were made today because of that. But yeah, it's been. It's. I will say this, Dave and I have had to work for our money uh, the last couple of years, that's for sure. Yeah, Morley Scott is color commentators, Dave Campbell on 630 Chad. So, um, Chris Jones was here. I watched him operate. Uh, say what you want about Chris Jones. I have no problem with him. Uh, there are some things I think that he could do differently, but I think he is, a all in all, a good football coach, okay? so And I think they've got some talent on that team. Uh, I really do. Uh, it, it's not as bad as 0-8 would indicate. But what looks bad, man, are the, continu- uh, the continuous mistakes over and over yep. and over again and penalties, penalties. Like, he's a good football team, our coach, but it's not a well-coached football team. That's kind of weird to say it that way. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, and I mean, and even as, as you know, he, he gets his knocks as general manager. But I mean, uh, before the season started, there weren't a lot of people out there who said, "Oh, Chris Jones didn't make a lot of good moves," because I think he did make some good moves. It just hasn't worked out. Maybe the move that he didn't make was that quarterback to get uh, to get a more uh, a veteran quarterback in as as some backup and as some insurance, and and that's you know really where they're faltering. The quarterback play has not been good throughout the season, and I think that's where the biggest issue for the team offensively is but uh, you're right he's a really good defensive coordinator I think he's a good head coach uh, I think the jury's still out on him as a general manager although uh, he, he's kind of told us a little bit about what he was you know his plans for last offseason and the way he went at it and you, you can't say the guy doesn't work hard that's for sure I mean he he scouts till the sun goes down every day and then when the sun goes down and he can't watch him live he'll go watch him on video in his basement right I mean he loves watching football players and he loves finding football players and he's found a great deal of really good football players around the Canadian Football League whether they're on his team now or on other teams now so he can find talent he knows talent uh, but for whatever reason this season uh, and and I guess last season to a certain extent, although there was quite the mess he had to clean up last season, but uh, it's just not it's just not working out. It's just not coming together. There's always something that that that, that trashes their game, and it's usually something different. Uh, this past week it was penalties, almost two football fields and penalties given up in the game, and uh, it's it's just you know if it's not penalties, it's drop passes. If it's not drop passes, it's poor blocking. If it's not poor blocking, it's giving up a single in the end zone when you can't afford to do it. It's just. Every week, it's something different. They're 0-8, and, and you are what their record says you are, right? Uh-huh. But they're not an 0-8 team in my mind, and in a lot of people's mind, but they're 0-8. Yeah, for sure. Morley, like, do, have they quit on him? Are they trying too hard? Like, I, it just, it, it, you can't continue to go like this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't think they've quit. I mean, uh, uh, I, I constantly talk to players who are 
very happy and, and, and very enthused to play for Chris Jones. Players come to wherever Chris Jones is to play for him. I don't think that's an issue. I don't think they're quitting on him. There's, te- there's players, any team that's 0-8, there's going to be players who are going to start nailing it in. There's no doubt about that. That would happen whether Chris Jones is the coach or Newt mm-hmm. Rockney's the coach, right? That's going to happen because there are some players who don't have uh, the fortitude uh, and don't have the gumption to try and turn things around. They just want to collect their paychecks. And they have those players on every team in every sport. So that you can't blame on the coach. Uh, I, 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 they like playing for him. They like the system. You know, new players come in, and I talk to them, and they, they say, oh, I love playing for Chris Jones. He's, he's, a, he's a good player's coach. Uh, he doesn't take any nonsense, but he has fun with the players. They seem to enjoy it. But it's just not happening, and, and I, don't, I don't know what it is. And we talked to Chris Jones on our postgame show on, uh, on what was it, Saturday night, and he just said he, he's kind of at a loss because he doesn't know what to do next because – he has never been to this before. This has never, it's yeah. never happened to him before. He's never had this kind of situation to deal with. And believe me, he's instituted all sorts of things to try and turn this around, including, you know, they weren't very good coming out after the, after a good first half in a lot of games. So all of a sudden, he's putting the halftime in and practices for the last two weeks. They shut it down for 10 minutes. They sip water on the sidelines. They rest. And then they try to crank it up again and go back to practice, trying to get them in that mode where you got to come back and still be as good as you were in the first half in the second half. He's done all sorts of things, but for whatever reason, it is just not working right now. Yeah, Morley Scott, the great voice of the Edmonton Elks football team on 630. Chad in Edmonton joining us here. Uh, Morley, uh, I, I tell you what, man, uh, <laughs> They, they switch now uh, McAdoo over to the defensive side as a consultant. Jarius Jackson's the guy. Now Jarius says there's a quarterback competition. Tell me about this. Fill me in here. Well, here's, here's what they told us today, and uh, I talked with Jarius uh, after the news conference today, and uh, they're going to have, it looks like, they're going to have both uh, Trey Ford and Jared Dagey uh, taking first-team reps at practice when the team comes back from its bye week, probably on Friday. And at that point, they're just gonna they're just gonna judge who's gonna be the starter. And I think they're gonna pick a starter out of those two. But I think both of them are going to play in uh, in the next few games that, that the Elks have. The uh, first one coming up a week from Thursday at home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Then they go to Hamilton for the next Thursday game. And I think in those two games, they'll probably play both those guys and maybe come out of take what they see in practice, take what they see in those two games, and maybe pick a guy to ride with for the rest of the season and to build on for next year. And if they can get rolling, I mean, let's let's be honest. It's, they don't have any wins, but they're only three wins out of a playoff spot, and the season's not even half over yet, right? So no, they're point. still in it if they can get going. But we've been saying that for a few weeks now, right? Uh, and, and, uh, and and they believe that they can get back into it, but they just got to get some wins, which obviously have not come this year. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be a competition in practice and in the games for the next uh, uh, two weeks in practice and in the two games coming up. And then I think they're going to ride with the guy after that. But we'll see how it, how it plays out. Right now, it sounds like uh, they they really want to give Trey Ford an opportunity because he's the guy who hasn't been given that opportunity as of yet. Uh, Cornelius, of course, started seven games and, and, and Daigie started one and he's come in in relief a couple of times as well. Trey Ford hasn't seen the field yet this year and I think that will change, obviously, coming up uh, next Thursday against Wednesday. Okay, so lastly, before I let you go, I think that's maybe uh, that's something that's up for debate uh, and criticism. You signed those receivers to big money contracts, and you gave some guaranteed money to basically a mid-level quarterback at best in Taylor Cornelius in terms of what he produced already, and it really was a failed experiment. Yeah, 
I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, they looks like they made a mistake. I mean, it's not all said and done. Who knows? Three years from now, Taylor Cornelius could be on some other team and some other system with some other coaches and playing very well. Mm-hmm. He's only in his third year. Not a lot of guys have the expectations that were on him in his third season. He's struggled. There's no doubt about that. And he's he's got the size. He's got the skill. But he just has trouble putting it together in games, uh, carrying over really good practice time, really good training camps into the game situations. And once he learns to do that, I, I think he'll be a pretty good quarterback. Um, but it's, it's again, it's just one of the many things that is not happening. So it looks like, at least for this go-round, they made a mistake at the quarterback position. You're right, they brought in all those receivers. And, and you know what I mean? There's, there's another thing that shows you how much players like playing for Chris Jones. All those receivers came to Edmonton knowing what the quarterback situation was because Chris Jones was able to convince them to come to Edmonton and, and, and play for him. So um, what they're going to do from, from here on in I, is, is a mystery. I know Taylor Cornelius is still going to run short yardage situations, but you're right. He's been given some guaranteed money, and you got to wonder what the situation is moving forward uh, because he's not quite making the big-time starters money, but he's getting you know close to starters, big starters money, and that's money they could use elsewhere on the cap if they choose to, but they own some guaranteed money too. So it's going it, to, it's going to really complicate things in the off season. Uh, but I'm sure they'll be willing to bite the bullet on that. If they can get a starting quarterback out of the two guys that they're going to give an opportunity to now. And if I remember correctly, I was 15 when this happened. It was the day after it happened. The riders were playing in Edmonton at uh, Commonwealth stadium against the then Eskimos. It was a July 31st, 1987, that terrible tornado hit 36 yep. years ago, 30, I think 30 people passed away if I'm not mistaken. And there's like 300 homes damaged. Uh, so yeah, it's a kind of uh, not a great anniversary, but uh, what do you, are you, I don't know. Are you an Edmontonian? by trade? I can't remember if you are or not. Uh, I wasn't living in Edmonton at the time. I've been here most of my life. Yeah. I came here when I was when I was in high school, uh, but I've been here lived here most of my life. I was uh, living and I was living and working in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan mm-hmm. at the time. But we were uh, remember we were on vacation and we were driving through the mountains and here and and you know that's back in the day, right? You mm-hmm. had, you don't listen to the radio at certain points going through the mountains because you couldn't hear anything, right? You couldn't get reception, right? And we were driving and listening and trying to get the latest updates because I have uh, I at the time. I I had family who lived up in the north side of Edmonton, which is where mm-hmm. uh, where the tornadoes hit. So yeah, I, I do remember it. Uh, do remember it very well for sure. It's uh, it was a sad time, and uh, you know it touched the Eskimos at the time. It touched uh, it touched all of Edmonton, and it's something that on this date every year people talk about and people remember it. Thanks for your time, Morley. Hopefully, you guys can uh, have brighter days in Edmonton soon in terms of the Elks football team. Uh, take care, my friend. Thanks, Paulie. Good to talk to you. Yeah, nice to talk to you. That's Morley Scott on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with Eddie Steele. He'll have some thoughts, and we'll wrap up with our pick six. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, your sports ticker, and I just got to find the sponsor because they pay good money to be on this show. Who wouldn't want to be on this show? The sports ticker is brought to you by Busy Beat. They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialist. Blue Jays taking on the Baltimore Orioles right now, 2 nothing in the bottom of the first for the 
AL East division leading Baltimore Orioles. They come in 64 and 41, the Jays 59 and 47, but in a wild card spot. Um, there was a trade here I want to tell you about in Major League Baseball. The Cubs have acquired third baseman uh, Yemmer Candelario from the Washington Nationals in exchange for pitcher DJ Hertz and shortstop Kevin Made. And as you heard earlier, the Edmonton Elks have made a change in their coaching staff. Stephen McAdoo, no longer the OC. He's a consultant on the defensive side. The OC now play caller is Jarius Jackson. That's your sports ticker. We're talking the boys of summer. Time for another edition of the Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on 620 CKRM. It's the last regular season games at Curry Field this week on Wednesday. They take on the Sylvan Lake Gulls at 7 p.m. And then on uh, Thursday, also the Sylvan Lake Gulls at 7 p.m. So make sure you get out and watch some Regina Red Sox regular season baseball before their playoff push. And that's your Red Sox report brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. And over there at the Canadian Brew House, you can check out their great menu. And that menu includes jalapeno popper dip. They've also got the hangover helper. Um, and they've got a great patio, too, where you can enjoy their new candlestick fries, flavors, and cocktails galore there on their menu. And all the sports under one roof. That's your Regina Red Sox report. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Craig Dickinson didn't join us today, but he will join us uh, for the show tomorrow in the 5.05 hour. He got tied up at the stadium. The riders don't return to the practice field until Wednesday. So uh, we will get him before anybody else gets him to ask him all your pressing questions, whatever you want to talk about. You can always get a hold of us at 936-6262 in terms of text, or you can... Um, uh, get a hold of me at the Real Ballsy and uh, leave a, a tweet there, and I'll pass it on to the coach. See if we can fit as many in as we can. All right. So joining us on the phone line now is Eddie Steele. He's a Grey Cup champ with the Edmonton Eskimos back in 2015. With your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, won a Vanier Cup back in 2007 with the Manitoba Bisons. Eddie, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Ballsy, good to be with you, man. How you doing? Doing great. You got to be disgusted with your alma mater there. Uh, yeah, disgusted is a good word. The emotions are, are hot for sure. I mean, obviously changes had to be made as we saw go go down today. And, you know, like the offense has just been putrid. It really has been. It's been gross, uh, historically gross. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons. Uh, there's many, but that's one of the biggest reasons why the Elks are sitting at 0-8 and historically bad on offense is that a shuffling of the chairs on the titanic today yeah you know i mean chris jones is loyal we know that and that just it goes to show you how loyal he is you know to still have him around uh, but with that being said i do understand because shoot he's already getting paid so instead of having him sitting at home on the couch have him doing something else uh, potential that that could potentially help the team, you know, watch more film, have eyes in a different place. Who knows? So, yeah, I get that in a sense because this coach's cap is an issue. So you need as many bodies as you can get your hands on. I don't, uh, for the life of me, um, 
I don't, for the life of me, know why they're zero and eight. Like I know because they take penalties and they make mistakes and stuff. But they've got it. They've got some talent on that team. It's not like they're an awful team. You know what? They're zero and eight. Uh, just as close as the Riders could be, one in whatever. Because two of those Riders' wins were uh, due to mistakes that the Elks had made, you know, or the fact that the Elks couldn't punch it in from the one-yard line three times in a row when the offense has a yard advantage. You want to talk putrid and disgusting. That's disgusting how they couldn't do that back in week one. So it's it's a game of inches when we're talking about football, you know, like in just like that, the Riders could be in a similar type situation where they're at the bottom of the pack and everybody's scratching their head like, how do you get here? And obviously I'm going to go back and repeat myself. It starts and ends with this offense, I firmly believe, because in reality the defense of the Elks is pretty good. Uh, special teams is average, but good enough to get you through some games. But the offense has just been absolutely uh, anemic. Uh, it's gone nowhere, spun its tires every game they've been in. And quite honestly, they've had a tough time even getting the ball into the red zone of the opponents. That's how bad they've been. And it begins with the offense, but at the same time, Ballsy, you know, they don't have the talent. They don't have the dogs. Mm-hmm. And why don't they have the dogs? Sure, Stephen McAdoo hasn't been a good coordinator, but at the end of the day, who's the person who has to assemble the dogs? And then that goes back to the GM. Who's the GM? Well, Chris Jones. So it's a big mix, mixed melting pot of uh, fingers that could be pointed all around, man. Yeah. Eddie Steele joining us here, former Great Cup champ with Edmonton. Hey, uh, I think Mason Fine, uh, by a segment of the uh, fan base and some media, getting unfairly criticized. You know, we should end the Mason Fine experiment. He can't get it done. Uh, he outplayed Chad Kelly. The the stats don't lie sometimes. Sometimes they do, but they don't. Three hundred and two yards passing. He let he hasn't led him on any touchdown drives as a starter. Uh he didn't against BC, but he was better against Toronto, which you want to see from a young guy. And they fumbled in the end zone, and Braden Lenius dropped the touchdown in the end zone. A little high, but he's got to make that catch as a professional football player. Um come on, man. Like I I I we want to develop. I've said this earlier in the show. We want to develop quarterbacks, but we don't really want to develop quarterbacks. We just want to bitch about how the team doesn't develop quarterbacks. So impatient, you know. And I'm with you. Fine, I would go away from fine at all. You look at the numbers and like that. He is. He put up a good game. Obviously, two picks, which you don't like. But in terms of efficiency and just seeing what the field and putting balls were some, sometimes the tough places for his guys to make plays, but he's still doing it, especially as a young guy. Like, I, I would not move away from him at all. But, you know, the most popular guy is always the backup quarterback. And uh, I get it. Pro sports, it's uh, always win now. And that's the end game is you have to win regardless of situation. You can't be afraid to hurt feelings and you got to make tough decisions. But I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go away from him because, uh, like you say, he did outplay Chad Kelly. The Riders' defense has been playing pretty lights out for the most part this year. So I, I don't think you need to go away from him uh, because what happens if you go back to uh, Dolagala and he doesn't play well or he struggles a little bit? Then you have such another, what do you go back to fine? You just juggle these guys around. 
you don't do that because that's what the Elks are doing out here, and obviously that's not working. Well, I'm glad you said that because, so, because, I mean, let's be honest here. You you, you can't do that. You can't just uh, go away from the guy that because he hasn't stunk the joint out. I could see if he threw five interceptions like Bo Levi Mitchell did the other game, and, and then you got to pull him out. And I'm not against Jake Dolagala, but you've been in, <laughs> you've been at the university level, at the high level, winning championships, and at the pro level. These coaches. Whether we want to say they're not qualified or whatever, they're professional coaches on whatever team. They watch a gross amount of tape, like you just said, Chris Jones, okay? Hours upon hours upon hours, and they're with the players, and they're at practice. There's got to be a reason why Mason Fine is getting the first crack at this when Trevor Harris goes down. Absolutely. That That's just it. There is a reason. Because of all the time and effort and you would think wisdom going into the decisions that are being made. Uh, and the coaches, they're not dumb. Like, Dickey's not dumb. Chris Jones isn't dumb. You don't get to this level and get not only to the level but be around as long as these guys have, 20-plus years. They know a thing or two. So, no, you don't just go – to the next best man up that you think, because in the course of the football season, or yeah, football season, uh, it's long, it's grueling, and like what you can't just do this quarterback here. So you, you can't. I've seen that play out, and that usually is a sign of a bad team when you have a quarterback carousel, especially when you got a young buck who hasn't played bad, like you said. Well, Eddie, here's what I do like uh, to wrap up our thoughts on him is. And, and and I saw it with my own eyeballs, not on a TV camera watching a TV. And I know you're a busy guy with your family and your son. By the way, you took him to work today to close the deal. I like that. Good salesman there. Um, <laughs> hey, listen. Um, he took a lot of shots. Like on that on that pick six, it's a pick six, but it isn't a pick six if he doesn't get hit when he throws the ball. He couldn't even finish the throw. He, he took a lot of hits. He stood in there, and no disrespect to Cody, but Cody would run around and spin out and do all this stuff. Mason Fine stood in there and took some big-time shots. So that's another reason why I think as a guy on the sidelines, I'd want to play for a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. He did take some shots. That you know, Mike Riley-esque, and that fires the defense up when your quarterback takes shots, gets up, shows his toughness. I, I really do want to just touch back on this quarterback carousel. Yeah, Dola Gala, his he played okay four or five for a hundred yards in the tug. I, I see that, but what does it say about Dickey as well? Because Dickey already came out a couple weeks ago and said, "Fine is our guy." And if he wavers on that, you know, a couple of weeks later, obviously I know the lot can change in a couple of weeks, but this isn't a decision that merits him wavering on. And if he does that, what signal does that send to the locker room? It, it literally says that we can't trust what our coach says at all. And for Dickie to come out and publicly say that, I think he's going to ride with fine, man. Yeah, and, and here's but here's my question, though, to you. I've called this, now you don't like to do this in a professional locker room, but I'm not a in a professional locker room. I'm an announcer, so I can do this, Eddie, okay? Uh, I think this is a must-win for the Rough Riders. They have to beat a, not a pushover team, it's going to be a great game, but they have to, this is a winnable game at home against Ottawa, longer week, you get to rest up, they need to win for them, and Mason Fine needs to win as a starting quarterback. They have to have this one. You know what? They they do. It's not panic mode yet, but we're getting there for a few West teams. And uh, the riders, you know, don't stub your toe anymore because with Edmonton obviously being so terrible and Calgary really struggling right now, this is an opportunity to cement themselves 
as that third and, you know, start to sneak up on BC and Winnipeg if they can stack a couple of dubs. Yeah. So this is a big game. It th- certainly is, man. All right. So, um, Eddie Steele, uh, I want to get a comment from you on what you're seeing from the line play, both lines in the trenches on our pregame show. You know the trench play. Just your thoughts on both sides of the ball for the Rough Riders, the line play. Yeah, I'm going to give look at it as an overall type of a grade, and I'm not going to put a grade on it, but just how I'm viewing it, not just from this past game. Uh, defensive line has been um, less than expected, in all honesty, Ballsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hyping them up quite a bit heading into the season. They're, obviously, we know the numbers that were put up sack-wise last year, and they were really getting after it. This year hasn't been the case. In some of their big horses, uh, we know there's injuries and whatnot, but uh, they just haven't been producing the way they normally would. So that's that's been a down downside for me. The defensive line, offensive line. You know they've been they've been steady and you know obviously better than they were last year because they were historically bad last year. But they haven't been great. The run game has been really good. They've been strong in the run game. I really like Logan Furlan. He's had a pretty strong season, especially a couple weeks back when he had to go from guard out to tackle. I thought he did really well out there considering mm-hmm. the situation. Uh, but you know what? Uh, they need to definitely get more shirred up on the offensive line uh, because they are far from being dominant. That's for sure. Okay, my last question to you, man. If you're on a, you, you, I don't know if you've been in a situation like this, but you've probably been in a situation where your head coach or even your D coordinator makes a decision. And you're like, what is he doing? Okay. I think Orlando Steinauer is a good coach. He's been around for a while. He hasn't. Re- I think he's on the hot seat even coming into this year. But he's really on the hot seat now, man. Like, if you're on the sidelines of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, are you not scratching your head, going, "What in the bloody heck are we doing with Bo Levi Mitchell in at the end of the game?" Like, if Taylor Powell cannot take a snap and fall down, he shouldn't be a professional quarterback. Yeah, I understand that, Ballsy. I, I really do. And the, honestly, uh, the Steinhauer point, I agree with. He's got quite a long leash there. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been kind of they've been going on a downward trend for the past couple of years. Let's be honest. They really have over in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Bo Levi, man, I mean, the guy, I, I hate to jump on a player, but the guy has been so, so injury prone uh, yeah. for the past, since 2018. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that because that's just the case. Yeah. Well, it's a good uh, good way to end it, Eddie. I always thank uh, you for joining me and for uh, telling it like it is. That's why we get along. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. All right, Ballsy. You take care, man. Take, go buy that kid an ice cream cone for getting the deals done for you today, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's his, his commission. <laughs> that's good. It's Eddie Steele joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Always joins us on the pregame show for In the Trenches. We'll be back with more. In fact, we'll wrap things up with a pick six here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. for another Pick 6 with Ballsy and Friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. 
number one on the pick six, Alouette's DB, Kavion Ento, scored the only touchdown of the game off an interception as the Montreal Alouettes held off two late Calgary Stampede red zone possessions in a 25-18 win at Molson Stadium on Sunday night. Stamps quarterback Jake Mayer was picked off twice. Here's his coach, Dave Dickinson. I believe in Jake, and I know he believes in himself, and the guys believe in him, and... Uh, he didn't play poorly. He just made a throw or two he wanted back. He's trying to make plays, but he battled. And, uh, you know, I still think uh, if we just find a play or two for a touchdown, that momentum and that feeling you get, I think we could have kind of then started to play better. Stampeders were held to six field goals. They dropped the two and five. Montreal improves to three and three. The Riders are home to Ottawa Sunday. They need to win and end this three-game slide. It's a must-win. They gotta stop the bleeding. Now I want to say tip of the cap to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Rider Nation for bringing the party to Touchdown Atlantic in Halifax. Heavy is the crown as Canada's team, but the organization wears it well, and I'm proud to say that I'm the voice of this team. Now I gotta say this. Some Rider fans like to say they want to develop a quarterback, but let's be honest. You just want to bitch about how this team doesn't develop QBs. Mason Fine played arguably the best defense in the CFL, although I'm liking what Jason Shiver's unit's doing, by the way. And he passed for 302 yards while getting his ass handed to him repeatedly. Fine's tough and smart and, contrary to what some people are saying, can spin the football. Now, he had one bad interception, and on that pick six, he got cranked, and that's why the ball kind of hung up there. The Riders gave up a punt return touchdown, they fumbled a touchdown in the end zone and had a touchdown dropped in the end zone. In fact, Mason Fine outplayed Chad Kelly. But fans and some media want the experiment ended. He's a young backup quarterback pressed into service doing just fine. He's down the pecking order on the list of deficiencies on this team. And I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback, but you don't know that he isn't. Not after four friggin' starts. That's too small of a sample size. And I might remind you, he didn't stink the joint out. I like Jake Dolagala. And he obviously is talented and otherworldly arm. But the knock on him is inconsistency and that he didn't process as quick as Mason. Well, apparently that processing skill has improved big time. And he looked great in his limited time in Toronto. But I'll caution you on two things. It's a lot different coming off the bench and Jake's strong suit isn't throwing on the move. And if you know football, you know you don't win by flip-flopping quarterbacks. This is a must-win Sunday for the Rough Riders, as I said, and also for Mason Fine. If they don't win, then I think you gotta give Jake Dolagala a chance. But please, just cool it with the developing a quarterback argument. A lot of you don't want to see it. You just want to complain that the team doesn't do it. We haven't developed our own quarterback since Darian Durant. Oh, really? The same Darian Durant you wanted to dump? And don't tell me a lot of you didn't, because I took the calls. I took every call after the game. Darian is only loved now that he's gone. It's ridiculous. All right, another one of the pick six. Let's get something else straight, because quite frankly, I'm getting tired of hearing about it. I do not draw a paycheck from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and they don't tell me what to say ever. Have they said, hey, I don't like how you kind of position that. Sure they have. 
In fact, we've butted heads on a couple of occasions. Luke Mullender and I call it like we see it. We call a pretty descriptive and fair game. Obviously, we lean more to the riders, but I like watching and getting excited for good CFL football. I don't care who's got the ball. Hey, and with that in mind, I got a big announcement coming soon as it relates to the stars of the three-down game, and you fans can be very much involved. Number four in the pick six, what the heck was Bo Levi Mitchell doing in at the end of that game in their win in Ottawa near the goal line? I swear, can't these coaches think on their feet? You're the head coach. It's literally a big part of your job to think situational football. Put Taylor Powell in the game to take that snap. Oh, well, he doesn't practice that. It's literally a snap and falling down. If he can't do that, then he isn't a professional quarterback find another one. The winless Edmonton Elks are on their bye week and head coach and GM and everything else, Chris Jones, said he would be reviewing everything from the staples in the office to the kicker on the field. And he has shuffled the chairs on the Titanic as he is taking the play calling duties away from his friend Stephen McAdoo and giving it to Jarius Jackson. Jackson, a former CFL quarterback, has been a play caller twice before as an assistant coach. I will say this about Chris Jones, in a very ugly business, this guy is loyal to his friends as he is keeping McAdoo around in an advisory role. Another one of the pick six. It's getting ugly in Indianapolis. Running back Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade from the Colts. He reported back pain during his pre-training camp physical that was deemed to be from an injury that was not sustained while playing for Indianapolis. Taylor said he never said that. Never said he had a back problem. Find a new source. But apparently the team is saying he reported it. The situation now has the team considering whether to place their workhorse running back on the non-football injury list, which could result in Indy withholding his salary. Who would want to play running back right now in football? Forget it. The NFL should just go to flag football, honestly. The running backs, I've said this, they need their own union. All right, it was this day back in 1998, 25 years ago. The uh, Mariners traded Randy Johnson to the Houston Astros. I forgot about that. Going to the Mariners, uh, Mariners infielder Carlos Guillen, pitcher Freddie Garcia, and a player to be named later. Yeah, Randy Johnson. I remember him a Mariner. I do remember him an Arizona Diamondback killing that bird when he pitched the ball and the bird flew in front of him and he just killed that bird in midair. Wow, poor bird. Um, yeah, uh, big man Randy Johnson on the move. That's this day in sports history. That's going to do it for the show. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, I'll be here with Coach Craig Dickinson. We'll also have Glenn Suter stopping by and other great guests, uh, and we'll take your text, too. Uh, If you missed the show, you can please uh, check it out in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a Google review and like. We'd love it. And uh, thank you for uh, checking us out. Thanks to Colson Schultz for stepping in for Sean Kleisiger. He'll be here again tomorrow with me as Sean's away with a couple of medical appointments. Sean will be back Wednesday, and I'm gone Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday since I have like 50 holidays to use. And that's not even a joke. I have 50 days to use. So uh, you're going to be hearing me here and there. So either you'll be happy or you'll be like, oh, where's Ballsy? 
probably on the happy side, I'm I'm suspecting. Anyway, uh, I'll be back with your sports ticker. We'll get to our 6 o'clock news package. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.